The Loose Cannons podcast is a free-form discussion about film that contains mature language, such as poop and titty, and descriptions of mature situations, such as filing taxes and raising children. We do not have any concern for spoilers, so if you haven't seen the film or films we are discussing and don't want to have the twists ruined for you, please watch the film before listening to the podcast. But you, you're always in the garden. For you, every hour is the darkest hour. I wasn't aware that I had offended. Jesus didn't want our suffering. He suffered for us. Mm -hmm. He wants our commitment and our obedience. Mm -hmm. And what of his creation? The heavens declare the glory of God. God is present everywhere in every plant, every river, every tiny insect. The whole world is a manifestation of his holy presence. I think this is an issue where, where the church can lead, but, but they say nothing. The, the U.S. Congress still denies climate change? Where were we when these people were elected? Hey everyone, it's another Loose Cannons podcast coming at you. Apparently this is the whole podcast. Very ornate. It's the second of our three end of year podcasts where we discuss stuff that we like. Um, mm. Joining me, Ruben, today, just like on the worst of 2018, is Patrick, Basil, and Mitchell. Yeah. Hello. We're back. I'm back. We're back again. <laughs> yep. Um, <coughs> and just like before the worst of, uh, I'm going to start us off by reading some um, lists from uh, fans and friends, which are the same thing Yeah. for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're it's friends true. with all our fans. <laughs> Every last and, one of them. And even if we become popular, we'll make sure that's true. We'll just divvy yep. it up. <laughs> all right. You'll be friends with, with these 2,500 yeah. people. <laughs> Patrick, you handle these 3,000. You've got the Asia corridor. <laughs> Learn some Chinese, Patrick. Oh, oh, no. Everybody's asking me for a ride to the airport now. Oh, no. <laughs> um... But yeah, we'll start off with the two uh, who got kind of in the towards the end of the mix last time. Uh, Alicia Mitchell. Uh, some of her favorite movies of the year are *A Star Is Born*, *A Quiet Place*, *Superfly*, and *Bohemian Rhapsody*. Mm. Adam Flowers Superfly's only submitted one. He said the favorite is his favorite movie of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Phil. Um, his <laughs> podcast name I keep forgetting, but I hope we'll eventually be a guest on our podcast. Um, had two honorable mentions, Let the Sunshine In and You Were Never Really Here. And uh, then uh, I've, I've cribbed this from his uh, Facebook page. Um, <laughs> and so he had a list of uh, unranked movies, but then he had a number one. So uh, unranked, Phantom Thread, First Reformed, Support the Girls, Eighth Grade, In Fabric, and Mandy. And his number one movie of the year is Leave No Trace. Steven? who's been on the podcast a couple times and doesn't know how to count to 10, um, <laughs> despite being a math major. Uh, Give him an inch, has, he takes a mile. <laughs> his honorable mentions are Madeline's Madeline, Reiyuichi Sakamoto, Coda, uh, 1986 Summer, A Gentle Creature, and Our Time. 
and Ooh. his top 10 once again is paired <laughs> so burning and death wish is 10 black mother and if beale street could talk is nine prototype and long day's journey into night is eight transit and ashes purest white is seven hanagatami and first reformed is six the wandering soap opera and the other side of the wind is five arbitrarium cycle in the grand bazaar is four unfriended dark web and bad genius is three Codeverse and more than everything is two and his number one movies of the year are la flora and season of the <laughs> devil which we figured out before podcast is a combined 22 hours <laughs> so it take yeah, you almost a day doing unreleased. nothing else <laughs> yeah <laughs> It would take you almost a full day doing nothing else but watching movies just to watch Steven's number one. <laughs> You've had to go to a festival. That's a classic yeah. Steven move. Um, we mm. also have a list from Haley, uh, who's been on a couple of our minisodes. Uh, her number 10 is Den of Thieves. Her number 9 is The Mule. Her number 8 is The Sisters Brothers. 7 mm. is Death Wish. 6 mm. is Wild Wild Country. 5 mm. is Claire's Camera. Four is Phantom Thread. Three is The Favorite. Two is First Reformed. And our number one movie of the year is Bring Me the Head of Tim Horton, directed by Guy Madden. Wow. That came out this year? Apparently. Mm. I thought that was an older movie. Wow. Um, It technically came out in 2015, but it's only been available in festivals until this year when Guy Madden released it on Vimeo. Wow. Okay. It's an arbitrarium cycle situation once more. Yeah, mm-hmm. I yeah, because I, I I had seen that on Letterbox at some point because I had it on my watch list and I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. I kind of want to see that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I played at uh, um, TIFF in the lobby of a theater. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh man, um, what a loose cannons move by Haley. <laughs> So, movie was uh, in the lobby. Number one movie of the year. <laughs> well, we haven't heard from Basil yet, so strong flash. Um, he also he saw it with her. Um, Ilya has one honorable mention. It's the dance scenes from Climax. They're so good and long, and mostly shot, edited nicely, and have a good soundtrack. Huge bummer I couldn't enjoy any of the rest of that movie. Some good physical comedy by Sofia Boutella, though. Amazing. And then um, he has a top six, uh, but some of these. I think are going to be mentioned, so I'm going to wait to give his notes until they come up. So his number six is A Star is Born. Mm. His number five is Hotel Artemis, which was Mm. mentioned at the mid-season, so I'll just go ahead and say, this was pretty fun, but kind of forgot about most of it already. Oh, well. Hope Nurse Jody teams up with John Wick. (laughs) His number four is Phantom Thread. His number three is Black Klansman. His number two is Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. And his number one is a tie between Death Wish and First Reformed. That's a good call. Strong choice. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we kick off with the people who uh, could actually make the podcast. Ooh. With uh, Patrick going in reverse order from last time. Yeah. So, Patrick, right. what's an honorable mention My from you? First honorable mention. Oh, and uh, I forgot to mention, if you've never listened to these podcasts before, um, if someone mentions a movie that's higher up on someone else's list, it gets tabled, and then we speak about it once it reaches its peak of anyone's list. Zenith. Yeah, Zenith. 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 Okay, um, well, um, does anyone have Crazy Rich Asians higher on their list? Nope. Um, nope. Because I, I think if I'm gleaning enough information <laughs> from everybody's list that I'm the person who rated that the highest. 
Probably. But um, uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that I wanted to touch on was myself crying at movies this year. Um, and probably the hardest I cried at a movie this year was uh, the wedding scene in Crazy Rich Asians. My 48th favorite movie of which, the year. <laughs> which was one of the most beautiful examples of production design that I've ever seen in a movie. And one of the best uses of music. Um, and this, this scene was so good that I... I cried in the theater at it, and then later I was um, at lunch while I was working on a movie, and they were playing music, and they played the Elvis version of the song that's uh-huh. in that scene, I Can't Help Falling in Love With You, and I started thinking about it and started crying again, and I was kind <laughs> of like trying to hide that I was crying, and uh, my friend Alicia, who we heard from earlier, like came up to me to talk to me about something else and saw that I was crying and was like, Patrick, are you crying? Like, it, <laughs> like it's so loud that everyone could hear. And I was like, I was like, thank you for blowing crazy up Crazy embarrassed Patrick. But yeah, yeah, crazy embarrassed Patrick. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, just, you know. Nice. Uh, for like three good. days after I saw this movie, I would put that song cover on my phone and then I would dance with my cats I'd hold them in my arms and sing it to them and they hated it yeah. so <laughs> just wanted to shout out the best production design slash use of music yep. uh, just this morning before we started recording I watched uh, Nathan Fielder singing that song with Marion Cotillard it's a very good video on YouTube <laughs> nice. it's really good also it's nice. uh, one of my regrets about my fake real marriage that didn't get to have a wedding. Weddings are cool. It's the coolest part about being married is having a cool wedding. The celebration of the marriage. Yeah. Never too late, Basil. That's true. You guys could renew your vows. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's been 12 years at this point, so yeah. Time to have a nice ceremony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunate. She told me recently that us getting divorced will probably never happen now because it's much harder to do after 10 years of marriage (laughs) (laughs) wow it's a lot more paperwork after that amount of time but television always tells me that if you haven't had sex with your wife that you can just get it annulled (laughs) yeah that simple Um, that'll probably bring up a lot of uh, bureaucratic questions about (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we might force a judge to listen to all of our podcasts in order to do back work on you. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of hours. Um, speaking of things that Basil is committed to, you're next. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. My very first uh, honorable mention is going to... Mm. Infinity Baby. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Uh, the Bob Byington uh, oh, owner yeah. Tuchel uh, joint. Uh, <laughs> what a dream team! <laughs> you know, uh, uh, it's a movie with a very silly premise, which is that uh, like a genetic stem cell company uh, accidentally created some babies that just stay babies forever, and they give them out to people to you know, as like a uh, fostering system for people that want to have a baby that never grows old. Wow. It's an infinity baby. It's a strange choice. Yeah. It's 
a strange movie, but uh, I like it because it's like kind of weird and roughshod. Like it feels like like a second or third draft of a script, and it's like 71 minutes, and it's like kind of barely a movie. But I was like, I had fun watching it. And it made me laugh, and I was like, we should get more movies like this. Like it's annoying all these movies that are super polished, but then they're like boring and don't have anything going on. Like. Just, like, throw out some random crap and then make a movie. Like, why not? It works with, like, short stories and all kinds of other stuff. You can just kind of throw ideas at a wall and maybe some of them stick and maybe some of them don't. But I guess the barrier to production makes it hard to just kind of make, like, uh, movies on the fly. I guess that's the thing that I like about Hong Sang Soo as well is, like, Claire's camera, he was at Cannes and was like, let's just make a movie real quick while we're here at Cannes. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? And he did. <laughs> it's great. Good cool. Eddie, baby. Okay. <laughs> Martin Starr Sounds is very good. funny, isn't it? Ooh. He's pretty... I tend to enjoy I Martin feel, Starr. Yeah. Even in like... Uh very stupid movies like Spider-Man Homecoming and The Incredible Hulk. Yeah. A good oh, yeah. star and I laugh. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give a spoiler for one good joke that I Ooh. really like in Infinity Baby, which is uh, him and um, Mark Corrigan play like uh, romantic partners and they get in a fight and at one point uh, like Rob, Cor- I mean Mark Corrigan takes like um like a bottle of cleaning spray and sprays it in Martin Starr's face like as like a mean gesture. Whatever, like the fight escalated too much, and then it immediately cuts to Martin Starr at the doctor with the doctor saying that he's blind forever now. <laughs> yep, that seems accurate. <laughs> yeah, I could do that to you. Mm. Don't get bleach in your eyes. <laughs> all right um i think over the course of these podcasts that a theme about the movies that i like this year is going to eventually emerge uh and i'm gonna start off my first honorable mention with a movie in 2018 that um through the first 20 minutes or so i was pretty sure it was going to be my least favorite movie of the year (laughs) wow (laughs) and wasn't even sure whether or not i liked it walking out of the theater and that's uh, american animals oh (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, a movie about in a way all the horrible things that sociopathic 90s twist movies have done to people like me who used to (laughs) really enjoy them (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, there's a part where they're just like you know, sort of referencing or like listing like these important movies like Fight Club and Reservoir Dogs and uh, the um, and I was like, mm, yep, that was me <laughs> at that age. <laughs> these these were these were my movies, and um, what I like about the film is that it's even like it, it's intentionally supposed to be kind of bad at the beginning i think Mm -hmm. because it's setting up its own like twists in a way um Mm -hmm. and i liked it i disliked that i think even beyond more than you're supposed to dislike it but um the way the film kind of sets up is that eventually your empathy slides away from the protagonist to like all the people who are 
hurt right by them mm. not thinking about anybody else and i thought i did that very uh carefully i guess in a way that impressed me um it uh you know really sort of broke down i guess like the sort of sociopathic confessing that's like been the trend for a long time in a way right. that's like moves away from these guys who committed the crime at a certain point to be like what about their victims yeah <laughs> it's an important so, distinction yeah uh that's all i have to say about this movie but i am hearing an echo so can everyone check there make sure their headphones are plugged in and whatnot and maybe turn mm. the volume down like a notch or two if you have it like really loud Hmm. Sorry about that. No worries. Okay, Mitchell. Phew. Hit okay. us HM. Yep, here we go. My first honorable mention is going to be uh, Jared McMurray's The First Purge. Uh, it was something... Not on I my liked. list, but a shared honorable mention. Mm. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Phew. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, not one for the uh, Purge series entirely. Caught up a little bit before this one came on because they were showing them all on FX, and I was conveniently <laughs> at home with cable. The gentleman. Uh, so I saw lots of edited station. purges, um, <laughs> uh, and none of those are really good. <laughs> uh, I could see past the edits, and I wasn't really liking what I was seeing anyway. But um, the first Purge actually finally uh, taps into like the subtext and uh, potential societal implications that a purge could have you know the the frank grillo ones like lightly pay, play lip service and they have like a you know a black character here and there who you know has something to say about the purge but right. you know it's mostly frank grillo stomping around um this one actually like ends up locating it into like an all-black neighborhood and kind of has like trappings of like what maybe a modern day black exploitation movie would look like um it's very smartly done, and it's still fun, stupid action on top of it, and there's a really great soundtrack. Uh, it's it's pretty solid all around. Uh, uh, good summertime fare. Yeah. Yeah, like you mentioned movie. a lot of the things that I would say in my honorable mention of it, like the fact that it really sort of, you know, puts its pin in the idea that, like, any sort of purge idea anywhere would always just be used as an excuse by the government for genocide mm -hmm. against its poorest and most mm -hmm. black classes mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. uh i i'll just mention i guess that i really like the way that this one uh that this movie about race does not let white women off the hook that even though um what's her face's character marissa, like tomei. marissa tomei yeah Oof. aunt may herself Oh, um, no. <laughs> hot anime. like yeah classic hot anime um even though she like comes around by the end of the movie and ends up suffering yeah. the consequences for it like she essentially is basically willing to ally herself with what she thinks is in her own best interest until like it crosses like a certain ethical yep. boundary of right. not playing by the rules and i thought that was a very smart addition to the film like she uh, was just being I didn't objective. I didn't see um the third purge. 
election election year. Yeah, that Basil said was just like a phony argument for Hillary Clinton, but I thought this was a nice, (laughs) solidly actually understood argument against Hillary Clinton. (laughs) Seems about right. (laughs) So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. First purge is cool. I was glad I caught up with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, All right. Now that yep. Now that Mitchell has purged his first unobtrable invention. Yeah. Very right. heading. I'm, I didn't think I'm that ready to throw this one in. I'm pretty sure no one else has Ocean's Eight on their uh, top ten. All <laughs> right. Since yeah. everyone else did not like it. I had a change <laughs> of heart. Literally everyone <laughs> else except for Gabby Dunn. Rewatched. <laughs> yeah. It's you and Gabby Dunn. It's me and Gabby. Um, no, like I thought that this movie. Um, Later in the year, I think a simple favor tried to like very obviously like harness like the gay energy between uh, Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively, but I think it failed pretty spectacularly. But I think Ocean's Eight like does a much better job of that. Like I Hold had a lot more fun with it, and I um, I really enjoyed the interplay between Sandra Bullock and uh, Kate Blanchett, and um, I also loved Sandra Bullock's like belligerent German character that she puts on like that was really fun to me um, <laughs> I didn't have a problem with the outfits the way that Ruben did um, I don't know a lot about fashion though so you know um, me neither su- I like what I like department, I guess <laughs> I thought that they looked really good um, I'm like those Applejacks kids yeah I liked James Gordon <laughs> leaning into the fact that he's a, that he's a smug jerk I was like yeah that's the, exactly the character that James Gordon should play as a smug he's jerk the real I think star we're all the on the like on the James Gordon <laughs> James yeah. Gordon and Anne Hathaway are surprisingly yes, good. Yes, yeah. and and I was gonna say Anne Hathaway in a in a very funny turn. Like I love that she's that, the star. Yeah, I, I love that that character's twist though is that she doesn't have any friends, <laughs> and, and that she's like, I just want some friends. And I was like, that's a great like thing to have in the movie where it's like, oh yeah, like female friendship is is yeah it's hard it's hard to come by and like being a star is lonely yeah and i was like that's a really Mm. good twist to put on a movie like i i like when that twist seems to come from somewhere within the character herself where it's like oh yeah this makes a whole lot of sense with her like it's not just something we threw in just to surprise the audience it's like oh yeah the twist comes from within the character so I'll say that's a good screenwriting trick. They followed the rules. They followed the rules where the third act twist has to come mm. from within the characters. So I like the other aspect of that twi- twist better, which is that she's not dumb. She's actually very smart. Just yes. pretending to be dumb yeah. because that's what people want from celebrity women. Yeah, yeah. And Hathaway knows I, it all too I, well. Yeah, I just I had fun with this movie, and in a way that I don't think I have. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't had fun with any of uh, Gary Ross movies in the past, I guess. So, uh, yeah. He's not so really a can't... fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not going to be getting that Gary Ross defense book that we mentioned on the previous podcast. Yeah, no, Free, Sta- Free State of Jones put me off too much to, for, for me to write a really thorough defense of him, but he did a good job with this movie. You should do it just for fun. Job. See what you can come yeah. up with. We should find... Academic uh, Challenge. 
five people, all of which only like one Gary Ross movie, and we should <laughs> write a chapter. So you can write the Ocean's Eight chapter. I'll write the Hunger Games chapter. Now oh, we need perfect. to find a Pleasantville, Sea Biscuit, and Free State of Jones person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I may know someone who would have been Free I'll State take of Jones. Biscuit. But they have to Why only not? like that one. <laughs> Just that one, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't. That was a nice all. horse. <laughs> <laughs> Toby McGuire was doing good work yeah. post Spider-Man. Sea biscuit just sounds salty to me. I don't want it. <laughs> it's, it's keep my biscuits on dry stale, land. Stale, actually. Yeah. It's, it's a rather boring sea biscuit. Basil. All right. All right. Uh, my next uh, honorable mention is going to be potentially tabled i guess we'll find out uh the aforementioned sisters brothers no nice uh hit it yeah what i said hit it <laughs> oh yeah um so <laughs> i like it's my number this 11 movie, movie is uh, uh-huh. uh about how like technology won't actually give us communism ever because <laughs> uh Riz Ahmed has this great idea of being like hmm well I discovered this thing and I'm gonna make a bunch of money through capitalism and then I'm gonna take that money and start my own communist collective and it'll go great and it really <laughs> doesn't go great for him yeah. it's real bad <laughs> and uh I mean, I like a lot of other things about the movie, but I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, you know? Like, you can't ever really just, like, be like, I'm going to work within this capitalist system, and then after I do that, I'm going to start my own society that's separate, and it'll go perfectly because I've already uh, <laughs> made all my money the capitalist way. You got you to gotta take it apart. You can't, you can't just go with it. And... Uh, yeah, I like the idea that uh, he's supposed to be the nice guy, the wide-eyed dreamer, but he just gets fucked over because he doesn't have a really good idea. <laughs> he doesn't have a really revolutionary idea. He just He's just a technocrat. Much better performance than as Elon Musk in mm-hmm. Venom. He's much better here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm not actually gonna do it, but I was thinking about doing uh, for my special award on the next episode, kindest eyes for Reese Ahmed. <laughs> he, he has very nice eyes. He's not believable as a villain. Yeah, <laughs> he's too nice looking. He just too seems sweet. like a sweet guy. He's yeah, a sweetie. Aww, <laughs> yeah. like him. That's why girls. he works so well in Nightcrawler, because mm-hmm. he's such a sweetie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's very rude, but. Yeah, it's a nice reteaming too. Jill does him in that movie. <laughs> oh yeah, bring them back, back together, together again. Huh. <laughs> 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 Jacques Odiard. It was, a, it was a little distracting in the beginning of the movie. I was like, oh, here these two are together again. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. Um. Okay. Uh. Maybe my next uh, honorable mention will get tabled, but. I'm just guessing because I didn't say anything about it when Ilya listed it in his top, but that's uh, A Star is Born. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that was going to be one of my honorable mentions, too. We'll just <laughs> trade back Mitchell and, and forth I here. are at least in alignment in our honorable mentions. So here are Ilya's thoughts. 
the backlash to this is well on its way already, but I think I've softened to it, if anything. Still think Cooper's a bit too in love with himself, and there's plenty of half-assery here, what with the weird post-racial universe this seems to be set in, but the overall sweetness won me over, and the musical numbers work pretty well. Fun time watching in the theater, even though a person behind me could not stop laughing all through the last five, ten minutes of this. Stay weird, (laughs) Merlin. How rude. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Powerful closing. (laughs) And then here are my thoughts. Continuing in my discussion of films that are maybe not good, I want to honorably mention probably the best picture winner, A Star is Born. A movie that I think is kind of aesthetically rote, stealing most of its shots from other better sources, um, and has maybe a regressive message about boundaries and love. But in the context of Lady Gaga's career as a whole, made me feel things about consent and authenticity that were probably unintentional, but left me unnerved and moved nonetheless. Essentially, the movie begins with Gaga's alley character having no real freedom due to her situation, such as her father and poverty, and ends with her still having no real freedom, but because she is forced to sacrifice her authentic self at the dueling altars of fame and love. Lots of stuff in this movie that is seen as romantic by some, is seen as boundary-crossing or creepy by me, like nose-touching. Eventually, Gaga Alley finds the only way to reclaim anything is by enthusiastically embracing the performative optimism that's available to her. It's surprisingly transgressive, in my opinion, and I don't think Jackson Maine actually really gets it. (laughs) (laughs) Jackson Maine's real cool, though. (laughs) He smashes that thing with his boot. Uh, <laughs> Snorts it up. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, I like the music a lot. I agree with everything that Ruben was saying with it. Um, I think it's a much more pragmatic, balanced movie than people give it credit for. A lot of people like go off on either side of it, and they're like, ah, oh, it's just like, you know, rockist old nonsense, anti-pop business, and like, uh, you know, I think it. While the movie isn't as certain as it should be about where the boundaries and the relationships are and when he's being a creep i think it's also like not entirely unaware of them too and uh castigates his character a bit as well uh and i like a lot of the cinematography in it it isn't necessarily uh fresh and new but um I don't know, the beginning of it looks a lot like opening night and feels like opening night. It's pretty cool, and other times feels like some, like, Eastwood shit. And, uh, yeah, uh, Star is Born was something I went into kind of suspecting I would like because I've been a long term uh, Bradley Cooper apologist yeah. and just want to <laughs> see him succeed. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, it, it delivered mostly. And I'm I'm happy that it will be the best picture winner. And much, much better than anything else that will come into that circle, I think. Give or take, like, I don't know, something else we'll I, talk about later. I, I, I also <laughs> want to shout out a director knowing where his bread is buttered in terms of, like, performances and being like, we have Lady Gaga. We're going to let her sing her fucking head <laughs> off. And I was like... Yes, he he knew exactly what his greatest weapon was. Yeah, he, he was the one person in the room of a hundred. Yeah, and I was like, that's that's, a, that's very good. That's very on point to know like where your greatest weapon is and like to use it in all the right spots. Because like her singing is another moment that like brings me to tears when I'm I'm like, oh my fucking god, she's good. Yeah, like, she can really sing. She she can belt she it. She can belt it. I was like, yes. <laughs> 
Chills every time. So powerful. I'm up the deep end. Watch us. Sorry. It's good. Like, you know, from a just from a construction of the movie standpoint, I gotta get up for that. And I think I invented the 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 Star Is Born meme, and I deserve credit for it. I was the first person I saw making a meme out of that Bradley Cooper wanting to take one look at her again. And I think through the channels of Twitter, somebody stole my idea and disseminated it. And I'll never get credit for inventing that meme. Well, that's true of all Twitter memes. The person who invented Big Dick Energy saw no money from it. No. Yep, it's true. God damn it! And be like Herman but, Melville. Uh, Bury me up my grave. I also love that that Bradley Cooper and Sam Elliott have a never talking like this contest (laughs) at some point. Yeah, that's my other favorite, possibly unintentional thing about the movie is that Bradley Cooper does a Sam Elliott impression for most of the movie, and then Sam Elliott is his brother. And I'm like, did he decide to do that based on casting him, or was he like, did Sam Elliott show up on the set and he's like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah, I like the the line that references that. (laughs) When Sam Elliott's like, and he stole my voice. (laughs) (laughs) He probably ad-libbed that because he was uncomfortable with Bradley Cooper's performance. Anyway. Alright. Mitchell? Mm. Just in time. Phew, my computer was getting choppy. Uh... (laughs) My next honorable mention is going to be uh, Ricky D'Ambrose's Notes on an Appearance. Um, It does a lot of what a movie that is in my top ten does. We'll get to that later, I suppose. But I think it does a pretty good job of summing up this kind of New York art scene uh, that could be applied to any sort of artistic community in like a major city um, and sort of like the infighting and like the tenuous relationships that are based around like what you like essentially um people constructing entire identities out of what they like uh and so when there is an absence of a person all the people can feel so this absence of um you know the the books that they talked about and the movies they talked about and there becomes this understanding that oh not really uh not really a true understanding of each other within this and it's kind of like a a competition based off of uh who likes what and who can talk about it best um just very very fitting for for the life i lead and the people i hang around um it's like almost like an epistolary film so much of it is like shots of text and like written letters that uh, stays on them for a while Uh, i thought it was kind of a very neat, efficient, pared-down way to, to make this movie. And I also had some smart things to say. And you also get to spot some uh, New York film people in it, too. It's a very very niche audience. It only inflated in Apology Film Archives here. But, but uh, yeah, good movie. I like it. Awesome. It's handsome. A handsome movie. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard of it, but I didn't get a chance to watch it. It's a great time. Handsome. Catch up. Yeah, it it's a great time. honorable mention time. <laughs> Not quite a top ten. <laughs> All right. Only so many spots, though. Mm, it's true. Next. 
Yeah. Can only Thunder be one Bolt. king. <laughs> <laughs> can only be ten kings. Right. Uh, Is this your king? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. fitting. that's a fitting segue because my uh, next Uh-oh. one I mentioned is Black Panther. Oh, Whoa. that's crazy! I thought I would definitely be the only one with that honorably mentioned on yeah. my Which list. One? Black, Black Panther, because we already did a whole podcast oh, yeah. about it. <laughs> I am. Um, yeah, I. I just wanted to. I just wanted to bring it up as sort of the <laughs> cultural moment of 2018, I guess. And it, it's weird that it feels like it was so long ago because it came out in february this year has been an eternity but i mean like god damn it is cool to see like an all well not all but like almost all black cast in a movie directed by a black man be the highest grossing movie of the year and and the white guy's a big nerd yeah he is a big fucking nerd (laughs) And he doesn't even know how to fly a plane, even though he's a pilot. He's like, well, what do all these joysticks do? Yeah. I'm a boomer. I way into this movie. I didn't understand these For other the, characters. Well, the, the movie... And Sherry was like, watch this Vine compilation. That's yeah, yeah, play. yeah. What are those? Yeah. She's a teen. Yeah. Smart teen. The, I hated that. The movie also, like, broaches some really revolutionary ideas, which is, I would say, like, almost unheard of for a Disney movie. And I think in the meta sense, it is about Ryan Coogler trying to work within the system to change things. And I think that that's kind of funny because, like, can't do it. Overthrowing systems is something that I I came back to a lot on my list of my my favorite movies of the year. And so we may hear more about systems being overthrown later in my list. But like that was a that was a theme that kept coming up, and I was like, Black Panther is sort of the meta version of that because. The system doesn't get changed, but he certainly is trying something. And I would say as far as movies that are going to be like the highest grossing movies of their year, like this one is far and away like the most actually woke and not just like faux Disney I think, woke. Like, I think you might hear some arguments <laughs> about that on, from Basil. All right. Well, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, I, you know, it's it's an enjoyable movie as well. It's it's technically very good. Uh, some of the best production design of the year, um, the costuming, and um, we, you know, may hear more about other aspects of it uh, later. Um, in, later in my awards. Please. Yeah, <clears throat> this is an honorable mention of mine. Not so much because I wanted to talk about the movie itself, but because I too axes that I wanted to grind related to it. <laughs> Which is why I'm bringing up Get a movie we did back. did a whole uh-huh. podcast okay. about. Uh, Axe to Grind 1 <coughs> is uh, more than anything else this year, more than any single movie. The most important film-related discovery for me was The Bechdel Cast, hosted by Caitlin Durante and Jamie Loftus. And their podcast about this movie is so joyful and sweet and just like uh enthusiastic and they really just like they're the hosts of the podcast but they have two black guests on and they really just let them go to town for the most part on during the podcast which like is the antithesis of the podcaster's creed (laughs) like (laughs) so it's very podcaster's creed (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah their podcast is my highest recommendation of the year higher than my number one film what if you do take one thing out of this it's that i think you should listen to the bechdel cast <laughs> it's extremely funny and 
uh, I always find new ways to look at film, whether or not I agree with them, based on listening to it. Nice. Um, and the other axe to grind is I'm really tired of how simplistically people approach politics in movies. Mm. Is this the good guy? Oh, well, then that's the mouthpiece for the director. Is this the bad guy? Oh, that means his politics are bad. This guy helped out at one point. No, that means that they like the CIA. No, (laughs) none of that's true. None of that is aesthetically (laughs) true in this movie. The most aesthetically uh, like hard-hitting moments in this movie all have to do with Killmonger and all have to do with him being sad. Like Mm -hmm. when it cuts to him as a child crying. Because he lost his dad? I don't know. That's <laughs> yeah. That's the real beating heart of this movie, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think you can dismantle the system from the inside. But I think Ryan Coogler does an admirable job of trying to defend Marvel, like mm-hmm. different from Marvel's attacks as they try as they try to make his movie worse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the funniest is you know we all I think agree that like the action and CGI is not particularly good. And this movie and keeps it from being better. But one of the funniest jokes that's like not obvious of the year is the fact that the final battle in this movie takes place on a literal underground railroad. That's very good. Ryan Kukla, he's always two steps ahead. Took me a whole year. So I'm constantly getting new things from this movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Give it Se- up. Second best female characters of the year, in my opinion. I'm not sold on that one, but... <laughs> uh, a great soundtrack that they don't use enough, yeah. but yeah. technically yeah, brought us that... Instead. Yeah, the bad score, yeah. but the soundtrack's really great, and when it comes on, it's great. When you hear Vince Staples in there for a brief moment, it's like, ah, this is exciting. And, I like the African drums right before the first fight, though. Yeah, like they're a band. One more Vince Staples. <laughs> they got that amazing <laughs> future verse where he's, like, shrieking, and they didn't use it in the movie for some reason. <laughs> it's amazing. Why wouldn't you put that in the movie? Like this opportunity. Got a Vince Staples song in Spider-Man. Oh, there we go. See, Spider-Man knows what yeah. it's doing. <laughs> yeah, this Spider-Man soundtrack is like, I don't love every song, but it's a pretty lit collection of artists. They got Schemas, the Slump God in there. What? My hero? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My number two album of the year? Yeah. That's yeah, pretty... Oh, I love it's, it's yeah. Pretty... Outrageous too, because the movie's like rated PG, and I was like, "How they fit all these fucking?" Ski is a very scary, violent man. <laughs> yeah, and his, his song on the soundtrack is all about saving the day. Wow, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> That's the look I funny. want. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, I have to all watch right. this now. We'll see. Ya. Basil. Oh, on to me. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and honorably mention. Very slight, but very fun movie. Overboard, yeah. <laughs> wow. Bringing it back. What? Yeah. I said bring it back. Uh-huh. Uh, did I honorably mention it last time? I can't remember. No, uh, you heralded it uh, mm. on a, At the one, of, the of, the regu- one yeah. of the regular podcasts. For sure. Sounds like something I would do. That's Overboard's why I saw fun. it. I never would have seen it. <laughs> you had said it was good. 
It's true. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it was a thin year for me. Uh, ratio wise, this is the worst that I've ever done. I saw 156 movies and I only liked 41 of them. Uh, previous years, I've had at least a 33% uh, success rate with liking movies. So. Yikes. Movie Pass really did me in early in the year. Saw a lot of junk <laughs> that I wouldn't have seen. Uh, but, more of a um, curse than a bird. <laughs> yeah. Boost. Uh-huh. But uh, <sighs> but Overboard's real nice. Uh, the gender swap thing feels like it's not just for its own sake. There's a a fun commentary that kind of uh, undoes a lot about the original because the original it's uh, pretty rough. She's uh, a <laughs> yeah. It's a she's sexist sh- masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's a real shrew, and Kurt Russell really puts her in her place. Mm. So, uh, the hollow notes of, of 80s comedy. <laughs> Taking it to that rich girl. Uh, so, in swapping it around, you know, it, it's a it's a good uh, good thing. The guy, the guy's the one that comes across as, like, the really entitled rich person who's, you know... Uh, literally and metaphorically swinging his big dick around and Anna Ferris really teaches him a lesson. It's very fun. <laughs> and uh, what's his name from... I can never remember his name, but he's in uh, Last Man on Earth. Uh, is real funny on it. Yeah. Uh, Will Forte. No. <laughs> the other guy. Uh, Carlos something. Yeah, yeah the guy who in the movie is married he's to Eva Longoria. Right? Mm. Yeah, he has one of my funniest line HBO deliveries of the shows. year, for sure. When, when at the end of the movie, Anna Ferris is like, hey, whatever his name is, it's like, I really need your boat. And she's like, you hear that? She needs my boat. Needs it. Table has been making fun of him the whole movie yeah. for this wasteful yeah. purchase of buying a boat. And now it finally comes in handy. Perfect. Love it. And, uh... Also, yeah, like, um, there's just, like, very strange small moments, like, when he's trying to do construction and can't do it, and then that guy and all his other construction friends, it it just, like, cuts to them laughing at him. I think I mentioned it the last time, but (laughs) it's very jackass-like in a way that I found very appealing of (laughs) just Pratt Falls and then cutting to people within the movie laughing at that person (laughs) getting injured. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like grown-ups, too. But friendly-like. Yeah, favorite I mean, discovery the th- of the year. <laughs> no. The thing that I always like about Jackass is that they're all on the same team. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like they take one person and they're like, "You're the loser of the bunch. We're all gonna laugh at you." <laughs> it's all of them laughing really hard at each other about how stupid they are. <laughs> yep, very sweet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so I'm next, and uh, two of my honorable mentions have been uh, plucked. So uh, this is going to be my last one, because um, the first Purge and Black Panther were already mentioned. Um, I'm going to betray my own ethos. Uh, and <laughs> I'm going to talk about a stand-up special, which no. I've made fun of other people in the past for mentioning on a oh movie boy. podcast, because they're not movies. <laughs> this one this one isn't a movie either. It might even be one shot. <laughs> I decided not to do them this year. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sticking to my 2018 theme, which is like, why do I even like any of this? <laughs> well, that's funny. Um, and 
that's uh, to talk about uh, the trigger warningly titled Rape Jokes by oh. Cameron Esposito. Uh, uh, Stand up special that starts off very funny and becomes progressively less funny and more harrowing over the course of it to the point where I'm legitimately upset <laughs> by the end of end of uh, her special because mm-hmm. uh, uh, life at that for a woman especially uh, a gay woman is really hard <laughs> you may have heard I don't know if the news has reached <laughs> these shores it's yet sad. <laughs> um, she has one of the my favorite jokes of the year for sure from any stand-up special or movie when she said that uh the projects that she would do in college where she went to like go build houses or whatever it was colonialism for credit (laughs) (laughs) and uh i even liked what Ilya had to say about it in his letterbox review about how her tone and the way she delivers the jokes is like a little bit intentionally uh, harsh like she has a very similar repetitive way where she'll like start off talking normally and then she'll kind of like scream the punchline a little bit and she's like and then he dropped the chicken or something like that and it kind of I think it challenges like your typical expectations both of like how a joke is supposed to be delivered but also like um generally more male audiences like listening to a woman sort of yell at them like 40 minutes sort of a a sam kinnison gender swap yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) what the world's been waiting for (laughs) she's got a lot of really good stories from her life uh especially like the one about when she uh significantly hurt her leg in a hotel and like the had to like call the paramedics to like help her get out of her Mm -hmm. hotel and like how embarrassing it was because she was just like walking around in her underwear um, and she has a really good story about, you know, her abuser and like how he chased her, like through a field once. And this guy who she didn't even know got in the way. And that's the takeaway from the stand-up special. She's like, if you're wondering what to do, because you feel like the world is lost, just get in the way. Mm. Get in the way of the bad mm. people. Mm. Good message. <laughs> it's a nice message. Nice. Yeah, it's a nice message. She's a nice comedian. I think I like her Twitter more than I like her jokes sometimes, but... Mm, That's the case with most comedians at this point, I think. (laughs) She's a positive force, I guess. It's a cool (laughs) non-movie. Her running running thing on Comedy Bang Bang where she plays Paula Tompkins' daughter is very good. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, who's that? Mitchell. It's me. Ah, okay. My next honorable mention. Uh, you know, I think it is also my last after you know, Star is Born. Uh, but it is Larry Clark's Marfa Girl 2. Um, kind of going in the exact opposite direction of nice things. Um, <laughs> this is a really disgusting movie. <laughs> gross old man auteur. <laughs> He's still a horny creep all these years. But um, it's... Uh, it, 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 my, my rude joke is that if I were to do a kind of Armand White-esque better than list, I'd put Marfa Girl 2 as better than Minding the Gap. Um, <laughs> but um, I think 
the fact that it is a sequel and part of this larger sprawling story I, I like the way he spaces it out you get to see this kind of like nice dopey like slacker kid from the first movie just turn into this like horrible kind of abusive dirt bag um and i think the expanse of it's like hard to watch and not fun to watch but also the way <laughs> larry clark pulls it off it's um it, it it feels like almost like a twist and like a real dramatic changing character but then when you think about what you know of this character prior uh, and the sort of this kind of like malaise privileged life he leads um granted within kind of like this uh, sort of impoverished area in Texas, but also, you know, no responsibility. It's it's kind of a Larry Clark thing where he's just kind of floating around doing whatever the fuck he wants and how that Sorry. just kind of sours and manifests into this, like, you know, when he's a young adult having to become a roofer and just becoming this, like, embittered alcoholic, like, garbage <laughs> person. And it's a pretty funny upswing to, like, the just, like, morally void nihilistic characters that Larry Clark usually does. And in this one, he not only shows, like, a progression forward or a regression forward perhaps but um also like is keenly aware of the systemic issues um uh caused by this uh, ramifications of this like violently racist misogynist border guard who uh who kind of imposed over the town um and then also shows the fallout with like the female characters as well which he hasn't always been as good with sometimes he can be but um yeah it, it, it maps it out a lot more he doesn't just have like a single protagonist uh, it's, it's a smart move from larry clark late in his career though maybe nice. hindered by the fact that it's like most effective if you've seen the first one you know classic yeah. sequels issue unlike mm-hmm. the first purge first purge is a-okay if you've never seen yeah. them yeah. oh yeah i forgot that one of my comments about the first purge is that it makes the other sequels seem better in comparison by yeah. like making them seem like unintentional commentary. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't seen it. Good times. All right, well, got to get on this um, Clark train. You got to hop into I, uh, the Marfa Girl universe. The third one's coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, all right, well, my, my next uh, honorable mention is... Um, I was going to say a short, but it's not a short, actually. It's an episodic uh, series from SB Nation called Foul Play, Paid in Mississippi. Um, nice. And it's about the, um, I guess, the sort of, like, corrupt recruiting schemes of the uh, two major colleges in Mississippi, uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And it's about the uh, kind of theatrics of them trying to one-up each other in terms of, like, NCAA violations <laughs> and also it's mostly about how the NCAA is a horrible corrupt governing body that should allow colleges to pay players uh, for you know not earning, only allow earning, should require them to yeah yeah for earning the schools you know millions of dollars uh, in uh, you know football revenue but yeah it's, it's a very good documentary and it, it goes through a lot of things that uh, happened in terms of like both recruiting and also players being drafted into the NFL, like things that uh, one or the other school did to sort of sabotage players at the other college and how wow. kind of horrendous the rivalry is between those two schools, but also how horrendous the NCAA is at actually policing the policies that it puts forth and how, how you know, hypocritical it is 
in terms of who gets paid for what and who gets punished for <laughs> uh, paying players to play and earn millions mm-hmm. of dollars for the schools that they play for. So it's a, it's a very good documentary, a good bit of, in, I guess, investigative journalism by uh, SB Nation. Sounds fun. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sort of. <laughs> fun in the, yeah. <coughs> In the I learned something new sense, I guess. It is always fun to learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> learned that from reading Rainbow. Mm. <laughs> Lavar. But you don't have to take my word for it. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> all, all four all right. episodes uh, of it are on YouTube, by the way, so if you want to check that I out. I guess uh, this will be my last honorable mention. It's one that was mentioned in the mid-year, but I hadn't seen it yet, so I'll bring it on back, and that's 1517 to Paris. What a weird movie. <laughs> what if that needs to get tabled? <laughs> Does it? With that yep. new table. Ah, the table, then. Wow. I guess we'll bring it back. Wow, you really you really did it, Mitchell. Your entire list is Clint Eastwood, Tyler Barry, and Eli Roth. They didn't even release ten movies this year, but somehow you saw ten by them. I figured it out. <laughs> I made it fit. All right. Uh... Yeah, I'm done since you guys... Uh, I thought I had five, but uh, First Purge, I wasn't that surprised that that was also honorably mentioned about Black Panther I was. Yeah, First Purge is beautiful. Yeah, it's All on my right. shortlist for cinematography. Yep. <laughs> and uh, shortlist for best actor as well. There's a lot going on. Patrick, did you have any more? Oh. No, I'm, 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 I'm fresh out. I do have, yeah, I do have one more. You can only one have more. one more. It's another, yeah. <laughs> it's all you're it's allowed. It's another SB Nation uh, <laughs> documentary, I guess. Um, this one's by John Boyce and uh, Felix Biederman. Um, Felix Biederman. I'm, not, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm iffy on Felix. <laughs> the but podcast like, king. <laughs> the podcast king. Yeah, but, but he and John Boyce teamed up, and I'm always here for whatever John Boyce has got going and on. And the gym king. Yeah. Damn. But, uh, to work out. That is like gym rat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Play Call part, of Duty. <laughs> yeah. Five part uh, documentary series called Fighting in the Age of Loneliness. Um, it's a whole thing about. Sounds like uh, Felix Biederman. Yeah, it's about it's a whole thing about mixed martial arts and the mm-hmm. rise of the various organizations uh, governing it and the way that it has sort of crept into the public consciousness. It's actually pretty good. Um, it's pretty actually kind of astute about the way that mixed martial arts sort of reflects, <clears throat> I won't say every um, everybody's feeling about the times, but like a certain demographic's feelings about how you know basically political things have affected their life maybe unconsciously or in some cases consciously i guess but yeah it's it's very interesting that they they actually taught me a lot of things about mixed martial arts that i didn't know and um they actually touched on some stuff that was interesting and kind of gave me a new perspective about the sport even though i have no interest in watching it whatsoever like I, I always appreciate when a documentary can make me do it, like make me actually interested in something that I have no interest in. Um, and John Boyce actually seems to be one of the best at that, actually, because um, he, he did a really, another really good short about uh, poker. And I have absolutely no interest in watching people play poker whatsoever. But um, 
Yeah, I have, I have no oh, interest. I in, yeah, I have no interest in watching people fight each other, but uh, they did a good job, actually, like yeah. making me care a little bit about some of the char- the characters in the the sport of mixed martial arts. Uh, and, it's it's and an I, interesting documentary. It's also on YouTube if you feel nice. like checking it out. I just might, but I probably won't. Sheesh. <laughs> <laughs> the dismissal. It's long. <laughs> I, just, it's, uh, I love John Boyce, but it's long, and I don't love yeah. Felix, so I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, Felix I had Peterman. to cut Felix out of my life. <laughs> don't love that energy. They're all intense boys. Yeah. They could Except take a Will. chill pill Will or two. Nice, okay. <laughs> it's take a mellow. nap. <laughs> Adam Curtis, Relax. come on loose cannons, not... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> whatever the fuck this stupid podcast is called, Chapo. <laughs> the, tra- the Trapo Chop House? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds delicious. Mm. Well, they got mm. their steak. Uh, so I I think that does it for honorable mentions. You don't have another one, right, Basil? Nope, I already passed. Okay. So you get to you get to talk again, Patrick, possibly. Yep. Yeah. What's your number one, ten? Two, three. My number ten is the movie The Shoplifters. Oh, or it's called Shoplifters. Okay, tabled. <laughs> you don't oh get boy. to talk. Oh, oh well. fun. <laughs> now I'm sad I missed it. Hey, it's not late. <laughs> Not too late in the year. <laughs> got two more days. <laughs> I believe Could the, be number the one. actual Japanese title is Shoplifting Family. Yeah. yeah. That's my favorite uh, literal <laughs> translation actually, yeah, of the title. a good translation. Is Shoplifting Family. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, uh-huh. so that means it's me. Mm-hmm. Getting tabled. You thought you got away. Uh-huh. I hope this one gets tabled, too. But, uh... <laughs> You're just Probably trying to not. do less. <laughs> yeah, do less, man. Uh, yep, all my minutes get tabled. Uh, just just, them just out tried so to bring tabled. him up, but uh, got tabled. So now my number ten. It's the mule. <laughs> yeah, it's also my number ten. That's your number ten as well. Yep. Yeah. That uh-huh. means te- technically Basil's right. It is tabled. Yep, I mean, for one second. <laughs> yeah, we moved to me and my number 10, which is not getting tabled, and that's summer 1993. Mm. Oh. Right? I'm right. No, no like, I didn't Mi- see it. Yeah. I think Mitchell's yeah. the only one who saw it. He didn't like it as much as me, unless Correct. he changed his mind. No, I thought it was <laughs> fine. It was nice. Yeah, it is fine and nice. Um, yeah, so this is another movie that I thought I'd dislike through the first 20 minutes. Uh, but I think that unlike... Uh, a lot of movies that claim to be from like very specifically from a certain character's perspective this isn't like a ad hoc post defense after the movie comes out when they're trying to explain why things don't work structurally this nice. movie is like very invested in being <coughs> from a little girl's perspective in a way that can be like pretty frustrating at times where you're not a hundred percent sure what's going on with the story or like she can be like there's a part where she leads like a so her mother has died we don't know how and so she's living with her aunt and uncle and at one point she plays hide and seek with her cousin who's younger than her and doesn't know anything and just leaves him in the woods and we don't know what happened we don't know if that cousin's dead or (laughs) anything for like 15 minutes because 
a little girl would just forget about that. She's just like playing with her blocks in her room or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, one of my favorite scenes of the year probably is a scene at the dinner table where uh, they're talking about how frustrating it's been taking care of her um, because it perfectly resonates with how I felt when I was a child, which is like they talk about you like you're not there, right. um, but also because you're a child, you total you don't totally understand what they're talking about, and you're like, uh, so you can't be like, explain it to me like I'm a child. Yeah. <laughs> um, and makes you feel really insignificant, like what you feel and think is not important in making big decisions about your life. Uh, I think it's uh, a scare quotes twist lands a lot better than other twists because uh, keeping from stating what is sort of driving the film uh, really makes sense in this type of film when it's like so uniformly from her perspective. Like she wouldn't totally understand and she would also have real trouble asking about it. Uh, But it works really well, I think, structurally. Nice. I think Mitchell agreed with me there. He also was pretty impressed with how the This is true. Um, ending comes. I did not like it much at all at first and said, what have I gotten myself into? Uh, I was like, this is kind of boring and weird and but not like good weird, just like eh, like meandering along. And then, yeah, everything uh, that Ruben says is true. By the end, uh, I felt very bad for a lot of it. It actually made me feel like a jerk because I was like, oh, this little girl's so <laughs> shrill and annoying. I want to like watch a movie about like a bad child misbehaving. <laughs> and then I got the end, and uh, I had a lot of empathy for that child. I was like, oh, <laughs> this child's just a child. <laughs> and all these people are, you know, some of them are trying their best and mean well and not doing a great job and some of them are not trying their best and being kind of rude and uh, yeah, it sums up that feeling quite well um, Also another contender for one of the funniest moments of the year is when she runs away and everyone is freaking out and they don't know what to do and then like they're trying to get some sleep because they can't find her they're going to look for her in the morning and but she couldn't get anywhere so she just walks back into the house up to the bed of her aunt and she's like uh there's no one on the road so i'm gonna run away tomorrow see you then <laughs> <laughs> a strong moment the child does have pretty good uh, comedic timing actually throughout much of that <laughs> i like when she's double fisting popsicles too yeah <laughs> oh, damn. like popsicle not enough damn that's an extremely child mood. <laughs> Can't just eat one popsicle oh, and then eat a second one. Gotta you gotta have, you back can never forth. have enough Quick. popsicles when you're a before child. they melt. <laughs> I remember the, those little like squeezy ones where the it's like the plastic. Oh yeah, the otter you, pop. Yeah. yeah, you just eat so many of them that you have like cuts on the edges of your mouth. Like, <laughs> plastic. Yeah. Oh my god. Childhood. Children are stupid. <laughs> they make for good stupid. movies sometimes. <laughs> All right, the mule. Here we go. Yeah, you got it. You asked for it, and you're you're getting it. <laughs> let's, let's eat some pecans. The mule. <laughs> and number ten. <laughs> One of the best movies of the year, surely. Uh, could have been higher if it didn't come out so late in the year, but I got to ruminate over the mule some more. Um, 
It's, uh, you know, we thought Clint was dead. We thought it was over. He said he was retiring from acting after Gran Torino. And then he came back for Trouble with the Curve. I don't know. Um, but it's, <laughs> but now he's back once more for The Mule. And it's very exciting. Gran Torino, I rewatched this year, and it's amazing. It's one of, like, the greatest lead male performances ever. He's, like, oh, warp cinema around him. It's so cool. He knows how to use his, like, old lanky body really well. He just, like, stands in these door frames, like, arches his shoulders a lot. Um, but it's, like, it's, it's a melancholy movie. That one feels like him saying, like, goodbye to us. I feel like Clint thought he was going to die or something. And, like, it's just this kind of, like, old-fashioned moral lesson about, like, dignity and holding yourself up and just being a nice, respectful person. No one gets person. to die in this world, sadly. Yeah. Well, so he kept living, and now we have the mule, and he's, like, gotten, like, maybe more senile in the process, and he's not as good at using his body, um, but sort of is in a different way now. He, um, and the mule is just this this uh, weird, like, film of penance where, like, he didn't get to, like, go away on the note of him saying, like, goodbye and, like, you know, treat each other nice or whatever. Like, he was trying to do with Gran Torino, and now he's just, like, has to look at himself and has to live with himself <laughs> in his sad old age, like, surrounded by all of his, like, children who hate him and, like, <laughs> he's, like, lost illegitimate daughters. And uh, so he made this movie an ode to them, I suppose. Like, <laughs> it's a movie where he puts himself all on the line and just, like, is is castigating himself for just being a horrible father and husband. Paul uh-huh. um, Will trying to put on this front of, like, kind of being, like, this nice old man who's teaching other people around him, like, life lessons about, like, eh, take your time, uh, stop and smell the roses, eat this nice sandwich <laughs> and stuff. But then also, like, trying to reconcile with the fact that, like, He's never been that nice to his own family and trying to, like, somehow make up for it, but he can't. Um, And I don't know. I guess this is a spoiler alert, but the movie ends with him throwing himself in jail. (laughs) It's a a great way to end his... uh, the movie maybe his career um but it's it's a it's a mournful but also incredibly funny movie possibly his funniest movie ever and one of the funniest movies of the year um there's a lot of tones being juggled here um but it's pretty amazing and he also gives a performance of the year i didn't mean to diminish him by saying he's more senile and moves a little less good but um it's it's a very funny lively performance despite all of that he has just has like this very strange specific quality um, his his standard star quality, but it's been it's been warped a bit by age and whatever's happened yeah. to that man. Yeah, his uh, he he gets a lot of mileage out of the fact that his like classic Clint Eastwood grimace because of how much he's aged. His face just looks like a skeleton now. He's like it's, <laughs> it's like a like skin stretched across a skull. Like like he can't even fully close his lips anymore and. It's, it's very unnerving, but I feel like he's he's really using his own uh, face, his aged face, to to great effect. Uh, I agree with what Mitchell said. I think it's like a it's a very strangely well paced movie for it's like kind of a lackadaisical movie for a movie about like a drug runner. It's just kind of meandering around, but then when the you know suspense scenes hit, they're often very very suspenseful. And, uh, yeah, it's like a weird moment of making fun of his own, like, star image. He's a real horny old man. There's a lot of weird <laughs> yeah. 
jokes about him being, you know, like, oh, <laughs> with the ladies and, <laughs> you know, the very first, the first moment of it, it, he's like a, a flower person, a salesman or whatever, and he's got all these, like, cla- corny flower sales jokes, so, like, one of the first ones, like, a group of middle-aged women, he's like, ooh, sorry, ladies, uh, you're on the wrong floor, the beauty contest is upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> all right so i'll see this movie yeah you have to it's so funny yeah and there's a 17 year time jump from that up until like where most of the movie takes place but it's just clint he, like he looks like he's practically dead it doesn't look like he couldn't possibly age 17 years <laughs> he would, he'd be 107 it's like nothing to lose but with like some self-awareness yeah mm-hmm. And you see and him with his shirt off. I don't think we mentioned yeah, this, he, but uh, he takes his like, shirt off. Sorry, he, he hangs out he with some two actors. prostitutes and takes his shirt off. You see him shirtless. It's great. <laughs> he has two actors play the lead, lead role. One is like mm-hmm. an actual like eighteen year old playing like a fifteen year old, and the other is like a fifteen year fifty year old man who plays him from tw- age twenty two to like forty. <laughs> <laughs> And they put, like, the worst makeup on him and, like, clothing to, like, try to convince you that he's 22, which they do not, even, like, the nice. slightest amount. It's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, pretty funny. There's a scene of him walking, and he, like, walks by the telephone pole, and then the young kid disappears, and an old man walks out from behind it. <laughs> and it is, bar none, the funniest moment of yeah. that film. It's, it's shocking how bad the yeah. makeup it, is. It's, it, I, I like, saw I was, ha- We were like, oh, what yeah, just happened? Yeah. <laughs> There's, like, audible that I was like, oh! <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, Bradley Cooper, very, uh, oh, yeah. very good in it. Uh, Has the Waffle House. The year of Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a strange movie in that it's, uh, like, he still clearly deeply feels these pretty problematic things, but is also, like, <laughs> sort of making fun of himself for doing it or whatever like there's a joke about the internet where he's like oh you young people today you can't uh, you know do anything without calling the internet yeah. <laughs> like the can't open a fruit crate without calling the internet <laughs> yeah. which is an insane I don't know what nobody ever has to open a fruit crate is <laughs> that <laughs> 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 a common thing well, yeah. But yeah, so it's like this is this is the thing that he clearly feels. He's like anti phone, anti like certain aspects of the generation. But like that's such an obviously ridiculous line. And I'm like, oh, like Clint Eastwood's like making fun of this thing that he actually still really believes. In. So, it's a good it's a good way to be. Yeah, and there's also like a legitimately like darkly comedic scene where like this Mexican man gets pulled over because they think it's Clint Eastwood and they're trying to get him, and then. The man just like is terrified and just like gives a whole speech about how this is like the most like dangerous five minutes of his life being pulled over and he's just like scolding the cops the whole time and just like yelling at them not to kill him and Bradley Cooper's just like wait, wait hey man we're not doing that and stuff and he's just like giving him all these statistics and it's like it's incredible <laughs> and he just goes on for several yeah, minutes sure does yeah uh pretty astute commentary on racial profiling it's very <laughs> unexpected from 90 year old Clint Eastwood yeah yeah a, a, an invigorating movie it was so exciting interesting 
All right. All right. That well, caps my, it for the mule. My next one, I'm pretty <laughs> sure, is getting tabled. Uh, my number nine is before we vanish. Tabled. Tabled. Yes. Well, <laughs> I figured. I figured. <laughs> Here we go. Shame on me oh. for having Yoshi Kurosawa so low on my list. Yeah. You're, you're a fool. <laughs> what a fool I've been. All over the it's place. Fine. Uh, all right, my number nine. You can probably like not get tabled. Much. Uh, it's eighth grade. Mm. Nope. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I wrote about it in my Letterboxd review, but uh, uh, it's this thing that stuck with me. Bo Burnham really, really capitalized on how embarrassing it is to be uh, an adolescent. <laughs> how, how how full of shame it is at all times. Uh, uh, something that I related to a lot. Uh, something about understanding that you're not doing socialization right, but also not knowing how to fix it. Finger guns. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Gucci. <laughs> yeah, Gucci. <laughs> Me watching that movie was just going, ugh, constantly. I just went, ugh, ugh. It's terrible. <laughs> Thank God I'm super cool now and I never embarrass myself. Nope. <laughs> Dabs. But, uh, yeah, I think ugh. that he really, he really comes off with it. It's really, uh, I mean, Elsie Fisher is very, very good as well. Like, I was like, ooh, wow, this is a, a believably <laughs> upsetting person just embarrassing themselves at all times performance. And uh, then uh, I think that it uh, goes pretty dark in, and thankfully doesn't go as dark as it seemed like it was going to. But mm. I was still like, wow, this is like, a, this is a moment. And, uh, making me feel things of like yeah these are the kinds of situations that you can end up in by just kind of passively wanting people to like you and then uh going along with things because you're not a you're not a fully fledged person yet you're you're, you're acquiescing to authority because you don't know what's going on in the world and I mean, people continue to do that. Yeah, I'm still acquiescing to authority. Yeah, I know, it sucks. <laughs> it's a, I don't have any respect for them, but... <laughs> yeah, that was a good lesson in why it's, like, important to watch all of movies sometimes, because I fell asleep during that scene and, like, caught the tail end of it. It was kind of like, ew, that's, like, overly... That's, that's not a good direction to take this movie. But then I, later on... Uh, I was showing it at the theater I work at, and I saw the scene in full. I was like, okay, no, that makes sense. That's a, that's a, that's a reasonable scene. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say about it other than that, but it was the, by far the most emotionally affecting movie for me because uh, I get secondhand embarrassment for people pretty readily and felt it a lot, and felt a lot of uh uh it was very uh triggering to <laughs> use that word i was like uh i'm a person that can get pretty easily wrapped up in old memories and feel them just as intensely as i did at the moment or maybe even more so and so spent a lot of this movie being like uh, uh, and i mean it's pretty rare 
that a movie really, really gets me like that. So, I guess, good job, Bo. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Two good years for him one, in a row. Maybe he's turning around. Sure. Yeah. One of, best, one of the best parent performances in a movie, too. Yeah, oh, Josh yeah. Hamilton, what a treat. Mm. Yeah. Always Man. a treat. We miss you, Josh. Get more Josh in there. <laughs> Oh, it, uh, one of the best in movie for, guys in yeah, general. I, I, uh, I'm going to consider that this actually takes place in the same universe as Noah Baumbach's Kicking and Screaming. <laughs> this is just his character grown up. And then, like, his weird non-confrontationalism in college has become like this sweet, genuine-natured, like goofy, trying-too-hard dad. <laughs> when he's like Perfect. spying on her at the mall. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. all those Anna Meredith horns too. A pretty good score. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't lo- like this movie as much as Basil, but what a great scene when she pretends to eat a banana. <laughs> and he's like, I thought you hated bananas. <laughs> and she's like, no, I didn't hate them. Like, they're not my favorite. I can eat them. And then she tries to eat it. She just like, hack, hack. <laughs> <throws> it. <laughs> it's amazing. What a oh, classic man. scene. <laughs> Gosh, I forgot about that scene. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking more about the scene where she is like talking to the boy under the desk and he like asks her if she takes nudes or something like that oh, yeah. like, oh no that's a good uh, performance oh, I know God. that boy all too well like oh yeah, middle schoolers uh, are the worst the slow motion shot oh when he first appears and he like he's like the dreamboat guy but he's yeah. just like this doofy <laughs> guy in a basketball jersey I was like, that's a very good joke, Bo yeah. Burnham. <laughs> because of the movie, he's like, yeah, I was just charging my phone. <laughs> like, like, that's just... A... <laughs> oh, man. All right. That brings us to my number nine, which is a movie that not only am I pretty sure it's on no one on this podcast list, I'm pretty sure it's on no one anywhere's top ten list. What? Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, Midnight Sun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm not gonna claim that Scott Spear or whatever the director's name is, like secret auteur. I think that when you talk about films like this, that's uh, the impetus a lot of people have. Like I know that I have it. I talk about Josie and the Pussycats as like being like this, you know, very transgressive film. Uh-huh. But also, it's just like a pretty funny comedy that's most of why i like it um and it's the same with this movie this is just like the best version of a lifetime movie which is like a pretty (laughs) silly genre but like Mm -hmm. this movie avoids the pitfalls that that one does like the characters feel like real people the actors pretty uniformly give good performances including bob regal who gives the most surprising performance wow. of the year. Huge turnaround. For sure. Um, I don't think the writer has like a special insight into humanity, but like most of what is the conflict feels very real and lived in. It's about Bella Thorne's character not wanting to feel like her illness defines her entire life, um, which is cool. It's like not... <laughs> It's deftly avoiding ableism, which is, I think, what a lot of these movies do, is they, like, really steer into the sickness in a way that's uh, 
-hmm. Very upsetting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, keep seeing that trailer for that Haley Blue Richardson Cole Sprouse movie called Five Feet Apart. It yeah. makes me want to throw up. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe it's secretly good. Maybe all these movies I are mean, secretly good. And that this combination is just the only one I've ever has seen. Me interested. <laughs> I haven't yeah. seen the trailer yet, though. We've got the Riverdale Defender has logged on. Hey. <laughs> um, I'm here. <laughs> so, yeah, if uh, Patrick Schwarzenegger was, like, genuinely believable as hot, um, and it were able to get rid charms? of... He's so generically handsome. This is my problem with men casting other men to be, like, the hot male leads, is that, like, I just don't believe that especially based on her actual dating history, Bella Thorne would be interested in him. Like, he's mm -hmm. just he's just a pretty boy, mm -hmm. I guess. Done some real research. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and if it also got rid of, there's like a, it's pretty brief, so it's not like a bad thing, but probably the one real loser of a storyline in the movie is that her friend ends up with like the nerd who oh, likes her. Yeah. Uh, that works at like an ice cream oh, shop yeah. with her that and it's like take it out of here Bad we don't trope. that that storyline I want been nerds done to for fail. years the yeah the OC did the best the version of it and still was pretty problematic <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's almost good it's almost a good version of it yeah mostly because it turns out Seth is a jerk <laughs> yeah the summer's smarter than him <laughs> yeah she, she gets into brown he can't he's pretty yeah, dumb yeah. that was it's a satisfying moment <laughs> he was so smug yeah. so confident that's Stupid all I have stuff. to say about Midnight Sun you know we talked a lot mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember if it was last year or the year before I think it was two years ago about satisfying genre pictures and this kind of falls into that same category it's not yeah. really pushing yeah. pushing the envelope but i yeah. sure enjoyed watching it i liked it a lot i think it's somewhere yeah. in my 20 range but yeah, yeah. enjoyable definitely definitely a surprising performance from rob riddle oh, another rob. great film dad not a surprising performance from bellathorn she rules we'll be hearing more about her later <laughs> it's a real <laughs> year of great <laughs> film dads i love it yep. it's great yeah. rob riddle love you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh nice. man well yeah, here was a surprise what, what, what year what? was it that was like it was what? like uh, hot uh, but bad father's <laughs> year i think that was like that was just the year of the hot dad it was yeah. whatever year boyhood came out yeah it was oh yeah was, i remember yeah, ethan hawk was one, one of the, the hottest hot dads. dads yeah and the guy from uh, uh force majeure yeah um, yep yeah, hot, but, hot but bad fathers. <laughs> it was a cake or baker list. He disappeared from Letterboxd, and I'm sad about it. Mm. My favorite teen, my favorite Letterboxd teen. Rest in peace. Right. <laughs> Probably good for his eventual ethical development to not be online too much. Mm. <laughs> True of all of us, perhaps. True of all of us. Uh, <laughs> well, it's well, too late for most of us. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's a movie that's really stuck with me throughout the year. You know, I think I uh, wrapped it on the mid-year, um, but it's here to stay. It's about a bad dad, a not-too-nice dad, but also another nice dad. It's Den of Thieves. Oh, <laughs> uh, table. Many. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, at least is... it's on someone else's list. Yeah, mostly it's a Den of Thieves too. Someone podcast, else's list. Yeah. I think, it's, yeah. I think it was. I was rewatching it last night. I'm excited to talk about. It. Well, yeah. I wanted to rewatch it, but I didn't have time. Yeah, no but all right, uh, my next we'll one. I don't it. know if this will be tabled. It might be, uh, but my next one is Leave No Trace. Tabled. Okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It's all Three coming tables. together. <laughs> all right. Uh, oh, back to me. Back to you. Uh, Vape god. Another, another <laughs> not, yeah, another not tabled. Uh, I'm going with uh, a movie that might not be a real movie. It's uh, oh, no. once again, Wild Wild Country. The, no. Uh, six or seven part Netflix documentary. Basically, the only thing good thing Netflix put out this year that <laughs> I can get behind. <laughs> uh, I mean, I like Ballad of Busker Scruggs, but uh, uh, yeah, you won't see Roma on here. Yeah, you're Roma. <laughs> <laughs> no Roma for me. Yeah, but, Roma, uh, great movie to do your laundry too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. My eyes kept Romaing over to my phone the whole Uh, yeah, this is gonna. I mean, uh, I guess all of our lists in certain ways uh, be uh, about the years that we had. But this movie about a cult really, really got me. <laughs> my my <laughs> big burgeoning love for LSD will come up later as well. But uh, and has already been mentioned. Reset dog last episode. But uh, yeah, it's uh, the structure of this documentary is real fun because. I'd say for at least the first half to two thirds of it, it makes being in that cult seem awesome. I was like, "Fuck yeah! I wish I'd been in a Rajneeshi. These people are great. Like, they took over this dumb town. It was like, oh, you don't want us in your town? Now we own your town. Suck it, losers! Yeah, <laughs> I'm buying this town and I'm setting some new guidelines. Yeah, and." Uh, just a whole bunch of stuff like that, and I was like, this seems great, it's like a cool commune, you know, uh, they got guns, which are very scary, but I was like, yeah, they should have guns, probably, the government's really coming <laughs> after them. This is a slippery but, slope. Uh, <laughs> it really does turn into, because when the when the movie pivots, and I'm like, there's like weird assassination plots, and you know, they probably like, gave a is. bunch of people, like uh, E. coli or whatever, like they like food gave uh, poisoned the water at this town to like keep people from voting. Like uh, I was like, oh boy, maybe I'm a little less on board now. You know, they're trying to kill this. Uh, I think they're trying to kill the governor of Oregon at the time, or, like, <laughs> or one of the state wow. senators. It was something like that where they they had some plot where they were going to murder him in a parking garage. It didn't actually happen, but I was like, oh boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, uh, you gotta, if you want a revolutionary common, sometimes you gotta, you gotta kill some politicians, but, uh, it's, yeah, uh, break a few eggs. Yeah. Good lesson. And it's very fun. Uh, I don't know how they got access to all this stuff, but, um, they do a real good job with the talking heads of uh, having the people who participated in it uh, tell the story as if they're reliving it. So the beginning parts, they're very enthusiastic about the commune. And then uh, after they've done some pretty terrible things, one of the women uh, like attempted to murder this doctor, like poisoned him, uh, like when there's like infighting. And uh, I mean, she comes off very strangely. She's clearly like, oh, I went too far, but also, I loved Sheila. I wanted him. Sheila was great. <laughs> I really stood up for her, and I was like, wow, you don't, you don't seem too penitent about trying to murder this guy. 
it's interesting. Interesting perspective, and it didn't not make me want to join or start a cult. So I don't know if it fully Success. succeeded, but <laughs> <laughs> on my terms, hell yeah. Maybe I didn't get out of that when I was. It's me, the good cult leader. Nope. I'll I'll start my own cult, but I'll do it right this time. Yeah. Less murder. Just like Riz Ahmed in that movie. This is yep. <laughs> <laughs> Not too many guns. But, uh, Just like a reasonable supply. Are we done wild, wildy now? Mm-hmm. now. Okay. Uh, my next movie has already been tabled once. I don't think it's going to get tabled again. That's Shoplifters. Oh, nope. Didn't see it. Yeah. Me neither. It's, it's, it fits well with uh, what I've been talking about, which is uh, movies that maybe aren't good, but that I like anyway. <laughs> mm. um, <laughs> I could maybe come up with like a thoughtful-sounding defense of the more cliche elements of the story, since... Uh, Spoiler alert, like, it's a fake family, so the idea that they have, like, these fake family scenes together, you know, kind of could maybe suit it, but, like, there's an official metaphor towards the end involving a snowman that actually made me out loud scoff (laughs) (laughs) at the screen because of how it did not land for me. But, uh, no, I think Shoplifters is probably a bad script that um, has the tenderest, most humane filmmaking of the year attached to it. Uh, either, um, I mean, I would have to look over my list, but if I were to give the same thing that Basil said about a movie, the movie I felt most emotional about while watching it is probably Shoplifters Nice. this year. Um, it's just very deeply invested in all of these characters, and they're not the type of characters that popular culture or films in general are willing to be humane about specifically thieves and sex workers Mm -hmm. um so i like that i think it probably isn't as pro theft as i am yeah uh but i mean i'm pretty radical when it comes to theft i guess yeah steal it back people yeah shoplifters of the world unite yeah so shops um but yeah that's you know basically i think he should probably hire a script writer because he wrote it himself and i don't like the writing as much yeah this has been his mo they're always kind of bad scripts but he seems to mean really well (laughs) (laughs) oh he sounds like me (laughs) you can be the new coriata sad come for his crown (laughs) sad person patrick what yeah, do you want to um, say about this movie? No, I also I like the way that it um, sort of expresses the problems of capitalism without making the thieves the villains in this movie. And, um, you know, I, I also like how it doesn't sort of like overtly, even though it shows the flaws of the characters, like it's like, oh yeah, well, these aren't just like, oh, they're not just like noble, you know... Um, I don't know, care like all around characters mm-hmm. like they have they're not flaws. Paragons. They're, they're bad. Yeah. yeah, they're not paragons. <laughs> they're they're kind of bad people in certain ways, but it also doesn't like it doesn't damn them for it. It's it's saying like they are sort of victims of 
the system in which they exist and mm -hmm. a lot of it is about like the I guess like the life compromises that they make in order to keep existing within that system and you know I, I like how it, it's not cold about the decisions that they have to make because of them living under capitalism like there's a point at which a character dies and they're just like well you know we can't call an ambulance we can't you know mm -hmm. we can't do any of these things that you would normally do because this person has died we just have to bury them and it yep. it doesn't appear to be judging them for that it's just like this is just it the judges them the correct amount just uh, yeah, a small it's, amount. It's like, <laughs> this is the situation that we're in, and this is what we have to do. It judges them for celebrating finding their hidden money stash. Everyone is staring at them. Yeah, yeah. They're like, <laughs> 10, 1,000, 2,000, 10,000, 15,000. It's like the goose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, even that character uh, is judged just enough for her, you know, sort of like behind the back. Uh, scam that she's got going on with the with the family of the uh, woman who's living with her. Uh, so again, there's 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 just enough where it's like, yes, these are these people aren't you know they aren't perfect, but mm -hmm. they are also like more vilified than they should be by everyone else around them. I I think part the thing that I like the most is probably the way that the cops treat them at the end. <laughs> where they are like very explicitly judging them throughout all of it and you know i was like okay the movie is definitely not on the side of the cops here like yeah it's an all cops are bastards the movie cops for are sure. all nice. shitty it's a nice that's, part where well good. the woman cop is leaning into the other woman she's like <clears throat> children need their mothers and she's like her mother's abusive and she's like children need mothers though and she's like you just have a child that makes you a mother and she's like children need their mothers yeah it's like shut <laughs> up yeah. <laughs> yeah the cops are very annoying they sort of like come in with their own you know i and i and i i would say too like the cops are sort of the stand-in for you know the establishment idea about who these people are where it's like oh yeah th this is the way that society would judge these people like basically being the mouthpiece for Mm -hmm. society judging them the way and then the the movie clearly not being on the side of that I was like that's good that's very good that the movie mm -hmm. gets that and it puts it across too in a way that's pretty easy to understand a lot of movies on our list this year that are anti-cop yep. send them back to hell all <laughs> <laughs> uh, the cops yeah even uh the mule the previously mentioned the mule mm. uh, the cops don't come off looking real nice nope. uh, anything involving the cops they seem uh, appropriately frightening and dickish <laughs> and I'm like this is pretty cool statement from weirdo old Clint Eastwood yeah he doesn't love the cops either he's yeah. with us <laughs> <laughs> at least in that regard <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> Well, uh, if we're done with shoplifters, uh, <laughs> I'm going to keep talking about Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Fifteen yeah. seventeen to Paris, pulling into the station. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Mitchell, uh, stop talking about this movie. This is I'll never time number stop. three. 
I thought it would go away, but it just keeps coming back. I love the 1517 to Paris. There's probably no other movie I've thought about most this year, uh, and I recommend it to everyone I see. All holiday long, I was yelling at my family to go watch 1517 to Paris. Um, it's such an audacious movie. Uh, you know, the mule in itself is like a little like meta and a little experimental, but 1517, like that's that's the entire thing. It's it's one big experiment. Um, as I previously talked about, you know, a lot of people hate the acting by the, the three leads who are playing themselves in it. I get <laughs> it. But also I think they're wrong and I think they're very fascinating, like non-performance actors. Um, they just have this kind of like dopey quality about them. You can't not like them. Um, <laughs> but I just think it's a really, a really, really, really radical experiment and like trying to, uh, depict the way in which we we treat our heroes and view heroism and mythology like two big themes that Clint is always concerned with um, and here's kind of like the purest example of it he he literally makes these three men reenact everything they did um, <laughs> you watch them like repeating everything they did including this this terrorist attack this this probably traumatic terrorist attack and they have to reenact it and it's one of the scenes of the year it's an amazing fight on a train um it's just a fascinating movie i i can't stop thinking about 1517 to paris there's it opens up so many different avenues of discourse um i love it he's uh, so adventurous what a great movie the comparison to kiristami is very apt especially yep. at the end uh, there's a part when uh, the president of france is like giving them like uh, Medal of Valor or whatever, and so it's using the real footage because they didn't get like the president of France, to, uh, former president, to like play himself again. But then you know, Big there's mistake. like inserted footage of like Jenna Fisher uh, as like one of the moms, like, and it's shot in the same way. And then there's like scenes before and after that are clearly like staged, but they're like wearing the exact same outfits that they wore then. And it's just like this like very strange like meta quality of like. You know, he had to like get like a like an arm brace and stuff that looked exactly like his real one because his arm was like fucked up from the fight, and uh, it's uh, it's very weird. It's very uh, unsettling, and the whole middle section of the movie is really fun, and it's like uh, these like yeah. <laughs> very strange reenacted like bros in Europe <laughs> thing where they're just like so enthusiastic he's got like a selfie stick and he's just like oh here I am whoa yeah, they're all like cool. dude do you need to use the selfie stick all the time <laughs> and then they go to it's a like, strip on, club and it's really unsexy like Clint Eastwood <laughs> shot a strip club scene it's so cool and then they're going to go on a perversion excursion but we never get to see it out of respect for preserving their image <laughs> and they keep saying perversion excursion yeah they say it <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> it sounds like a thematic sequel to Hostel. Yeah, uh-huh. No, it's very much in the realm of Truth or Dare or Hostel. Uh, it's got those vibes. And a lot like uh, Clint's best work, it takes place in this, like, recognizable version of our world, but it's, like, oddly dissonant um, because of, in this case, this device that he's employing. So this is, like, this, like, weird hyper-reality where, like, oh, yeah, like, these are literally people, and we're literally walking around, like, spots in Europe and stuff, but, like, this isn't really our world. This is, like, some sort of, like, weird alternate version. Uh, just like a real wonky feel to it. Strange atmosphere. Good and, stuff. Uh, 
the dialogue is has like this uh, uh, off kilter thing to it, which I found out when I watched the end credits. That's because it's based on a book that they wrote themselves. So oh, they really, literally wrote their own dialogue. Wow, <laughs> there are layers to this movie. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's it's a dense, <laughs> dense creative movie. Really bizarre. And there's an iconic scene of Jamba Juice now. Everybody loves the Jamba Juice scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, glad to represent Jamba Juice in 2018. Still going strong. Uh, Just like Clint. <laughs> Mm-hmm. All right. Is my next? Yeah. Um, you up? May get tabled. Uh, my number seven is Den of Thieves. Tabled. Uh, Whoa! <laughs> wow. Every one of my movies has been Den tabled so thieves. far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, every single one of your choices has been tabled. Every single one of my yep. kids has been tabled. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, I think mine's about to get tabled, because uh, mine is Before We Vanish. Tabled. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we do have one that's on everybody's list. Oh, that's nice. Way uh, to go, Kurosawa. Yeah. Good work. 2018's Nerve. Um, so I thought for sure I would have this one highest, but I might be getting tabled too. Tomb Raider? Nope. Okay. Didn't quite wow. make your top ten. So the mule pushed it off. Mule, <laughs> mule, mule. <laughs> All right, Tomb Raider. <laughs> Let me talk about this movie. <laughs> um, so while I think some superhero films recently have done a pretty good job, uh, specifically Batman v Superman, of like pointing out the proto-fascism of like the whole idea of just like a single person kicking ass and making the world Mm -hmm. and their image. Um, And not really since Casino Royale has a movie about a super-powered person uh, really captured how much, how shitty a job it would be if you were actually good at it. Um, (laughs) That's what Tomb Raider is. First scene in the movie, she gets her ass kicked. (laughs) Second scene in the movie, she's like winning this bike race and she has PTSD and she runs into a car. (laughs) Later she's on a shipwreck and she looks really cool, but she gets the shit kicked out of her again. Wakes up on a beach. (laughs) Her goal of the movie is to save her dad. She can't do it. He's crazy. And then he gets shot right in front of her. She's supposed to raid tombs. It's literally in the name of the game in the movie, Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Raiding this tomb was a terrible idea. She shouldn't have done it. <laughs> leave yeah. tombs alone. Yeah, leave tomb alone. <laughs> There's like a disease in this one. Yeah, so this movie is just like, mm, what if you were to actually be like really good at, I don't know, physical stuff and dedicate your life to like fighting people like this if they really existed? It would just be awful. It'd just be non yeah. <laughs> nonstop nightmare. <laughs> That's what this movie is. It's a really brutal action movie. Which like every time that she seems like cool for a second, like the rug gets pulled out from under like two seconds later. <laughs> when the people die of the disease in the tomb, it's miserable to watch. It's awful. Yeah, it's one gross. of the most upsetting yeah. images yeah. of the year. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good effects. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it even does a smart job of like introducing the absolute, for sure, in my opinion, hottest romantic prospect of uh, 
2018, the boat captain, who um, is also in the even better film, Don't Go Breaking My Heart. Uh, oh, yeah, nice. He's uh, like super hot, but she can't even think about him because her wife is so miserable. She's <laughs> like, here's this hot guy. I wish I could fuck him like in most superhero movies, but I guess... I guess I'll instead busy. I'll get shot at. <laughs> <laughs> instead I'll meet my crazy dad. He'll, he'll think I'm a hallucination. Yeah. So. Yeah. I also uh, appreciated how much they play up like the weird Oedipal implications of her dad <laughs> obsession. Like, it's like some of the flashbacks have like this kind of creepy romantic, <laughs> yeah, like look to them, and, and when he sees Way to go, her, Roar, he's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like been having these weird, like when he sees her, he's like are you real? Because yeah. he's been having like these hallucinations about his daughter. and uh, It's a weird movie. And uh, I mentioned it in my review, but Vic and Dirk can really run. He's a great yeah. cinematic runner. Looks <laughs> real cool running all over the screen. I was like, man, oh man. Her and Tom Cruise together, they could be in a marathon movie. <laughs> <laughs> really running it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I like that there are several times in this movie where... <laughs> She says something basically to the effect of, really? <laughs> she was like, like, that's her take on what's happening. It's like, really? Yeah. It sucks. It's some nice, it's some nice, I didn't see it, but it's some nice penance for the bad 2017 Alicia Vikander had. It's just two Oof. hours of her getting her ass kicked. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, and she's great. She's really good in this movie. Yep. She <laughs> is. She's a star. Redeemed herself very well. Yeah, stay away from Derek C in France. <laughs> Oof, it's trouble. See you in hell. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, she, she should just stay away from Oscar bait in general. I like her a lot in Ex Machina, but she's real bad in uh, Light Between Oceans and her not so good in The Danish Girl, even though I didn't see it. Yeah, I skipped that one, but I'll, I believe it. <laughs> it doesn't take much convincing. <laughs> skipped it for a reason. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Mitchell. All right. Go time. Uh, oh, I think this is about to get tabled one last time. Uh, my number seven is Before We Vanish. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Alright, well I guess I'll start with I'm the Before We Vanish super fan (laughs) Yeah (laughs) Uh, My number six My number six is Death Wish Tabled Uh, Tabled again, poor Patrick (laughs) (laughs) Man Should have reordered your list (laughs) Should have been like, well I guess I'll take off all of the Like half my list that everyone else is going to take off (laughs) Get a more unique list (laughs) (laughs) Might be about to get tabled uh, we'll see. It's a, it's a cheat as far as Mitchell's concerned. But my no, number six nope. is Phantom Thread. Not tabled. No, <laughs> big cheater. No, t- uh, tabled. Not tabled. Not tabled. It's like uh, my. It's like uh, my fourteen. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah. Look at this guy, <laughs> rocking the PTA more than anybody else apparently. Oh my God! Yesterday uh, I watched four PTA movies in a row, including Phantom Thread. Wow. I, my brain is fried. You really it wasn't, it for wasn't a art. fun project. <laughs> Which four besides Phantom? Magnolia, Boogie Nights, and The Master? All well, the longest ones. Ooh, I know. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> Magnolia was very bizarre to rewatch because I hadn't seen that since I was a teenager, and it's not good, but 
It is also very weird, but like not <laughs> weird in the way that he thinks it's weird. Just very weird structurally. Strange movie. Anyway, I'll let you talk about Fantasy. <laughs> sure, no problem. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, I mentioned it before in on the podcast, but watching Rebecca made me like this movie even more. I was like, oh, this is a fun, weird Hitchcock movie to reference so much. And uh, just the... Um, <laughs> pro-abuse ending <laughs> of the movie is very strange. It's like, I mean, what um, else are you going to do with a weird old crank? Yeah. Won't change. You gotta, you gotta almost kill him. him. <laughs> <laughs> and then fall into a cycle together. Where Jesus. He's really rude all the time and then she just makes him feel <laughs> sick until he uh, thinks of her as his mother and then he's sexually attracted to her again. It's great. <laughs> Strange, strange fun. Uh, it's time for the documentary on Paul Thomas Anderson and Maya Rudolph's I marriage. Know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I like um, I, I like Vicky Cripps quite a bit. Uh, she's real good uh, as the the wife. The um, I can't remember her name now. Alma. The the sister is very very funny. Alma. Oh no, I'm uh, Leslie the, the Manville's who, character. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. She's uh, she's very funny and dismissive. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a good use of Daniel Day Lewis, like an actor I find pretty annoying sometimes, <laughs> but his like overperformance fits really well in with everything <laughs> else. I think really? I think he uses him to good effect, and there will be blood for similar reasons. Like, but this is a performance style that uh, you know, kind of works with PTA's own very over-the-top style and uh, fun score Johnny Greenwood looking uh, I've listened to it a bunch at work it's very it's nice very satisfying all those yeah all those cool pianos but I haven't rewatched it so that's basically the extent of what I have to say because I saw it yeah. Basically a year ago at this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I rewatched yeah. yesterday and liked it better than I did before. It's all right. Nice. It's a funny yeah. movie. He's yeah. an awful person. Yeah, he's pretty he awful. A, he says a lot oh, of boy. shitty things. <laughs> he doesn't really do anything. That's my favorite part of the movie. Is the yeah. like the big dress reveal? Is she's just wearing her waitress outfit again, but it now fits her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. what a good joke. Fashion's all about the fit. <laughs> 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 Yeah, he doesn't even make the dress. Like, all the women who work for him make the dress. Yeah. He just, he just right. hides secrets in it. Yeah. <laughs> Many visual artists. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Manville's great. She has my, uh, you know, I always feel weird saying anything conclusive, but I think probably my line delivery of the year when uh, wow. she spent 20 minutes just, like, treating Alma terribly, and then, uh, like, uh, Daniel Day Lewis wants her to Woodcock wants her to remove in or something like that, and she like stares at them for a second. She goes, "You know I adore Alma, of course." And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> "This is the least believably anyone has ever said this." <laughs> Great, love the Leslie Man. It's got nice colors. I like all those colors. Yeah, real good tone. Yeah, oh, sure. He orders great. a lot of food. I like when it plays a really nice, pretty, uh, like very Oscar-y sounding music to him driving two hundred miles an hour down the <laughs> dirt road. It's just like little twinkly piano tones, and he's like, "Yeah!" <laughs> it's all cranked up speed. It looks like incredible. he's about to fly off the screen at any second. <laughs> oh boy. It's cool. 
my one of my best theater experiences of the year too for sure because i was reading twitter beforehand and i didn't even know what it was a reference to that's one of the tweets of the year when it's uh it's just that quote of him ordering breakfast uh like the twitter person's tweet is it's just that quote uh-huh. of him ordering breakfast and then the punchline is uh burger king like speakerphone inaudible <laughs> <laughs> and so when he started reading breakfast of the movie i started laughing really loudly even though it's not necessarily a funny scene and then everyone else in the theater started laughing with me we I, all liked it as a comedy yeah i actually think that is a funny scene and that was the the, the one scene when i saw it the first time that i really laughed at i was like oh it's a big breakfast <laughs> he's ordered so much food <laughs> and then she talks about like, Ooh, a hungry yeah. boy i do yeah i do like how she calls him hungry boy too that's very funny okay moving on Damn. my next movie is definitely not getting table it's first reformed uh, what? Whoa! <laughs> uh, I was the only person in the world of cinema who liked this movie. Yeah, it's very niche. Classic <laughs> well, ribbon humor. Yep, I love it. Well, I'm about to get tabled too. I'm going to number seven, number six is Death Wish. Yeah, tabled. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> All right, Patrick, I believe in you. All right, my number five. I don't. I don't think this one will get table. My number five is "Don't worry, he won't get far on foot." No. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Um, no. So I like this movie as an actual believable defense of problematic faves, uh, <laughs> because that's essentially what the movie is about. Is about how this guy is really problematic and kind of terrible, but also about how much Gus Van Sant loves him and (laughs) thinks that he's actually funny in a way that maybe he didn't intend for him to think of as funny. Um, And the the scene that I, I guess, wrote about in my review where he's in a bar and he shows everybody this cartoon that he's drawn of a guy being afraid of this sign that says, warning this area patrolled by lesbians, (laughs) has kind of a double edge to it where... There's just like, you know, like drunk bros in the bar, like, ha ha ha, funny, because it's about lesbians. But then sure. the, there's one woman working at the bar. She's like, what's funny about lesbians? And then some other guy um, who's not particularly bro is like, well, there's nothing more frightening to men than women who don't want them. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I see that. Like, <laughs> I understand that defense of it too, but... When uh, Gus Van Sant cuts back to Joaquin Phoenix as the main character, like he doesn't really seem to understand that reading of it. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, this guy doesn't even get his own like why his own jokes are funny to to Gus Van Sant." And I was like, "Oh, that's mm-hmm. kind of funny." But um, there's another scene where he's just walking around showing everybody that he's gotten his cartoon into the paper and shows it to a bunch of people. And the first person he shows it to is a cop, which I think is really the really funny part of the joke and the cop laughs at it and a bunch of other people laugh at it and then he shows it to someone and you see what the cartoon is and it's an actual like offensive cartoon about a black person who is blind and it says he has a sign that says help i'm black and blind and not musical and and i was like oh that's funny and then the woman is like that's offensive and i was like I can see the way that Gus Van Sant finds that funny because it is sort of skewering this idea of like, oh yeah, we only value the black people who are like talented and musical, but like we'll still, you know, 
enforce uh, establishment policies that will disenfranchise black people, especially poor black people. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting reading of it. I don't think that that's the way that guy intended it at all, though. And so there's a good like push and pull throughout the movie of like, this guy is probably terrible, but Gus Van Zandt is reading him in such a way that makes him not terrible. And that's very funny to see the director like pouring his own reading into this guy's work throughout the whole movie um and i also think oh go ahead i was gonna say there's also a strange tension regarding like ableism in the movie (laughs) because there's like the part when like his bottle of booze like falls under the couch and there's like it's kind of like just mind for laughs that like he can't get his bottle of booze and how frustrating it is and i was like this is a weird scene to be laughing at but also it feels like within the realm of like what the guy himself would laugh out about himself is like <laughs> yeah, yeah. how pathetic he is to be like I need this booze so bad that I can't like I can't wait to get it but I also can't physically get it and uh, uh, Haley and I have talked a fair amount about Ghost Van Sant because we watched a bunch of his movies this year and last about like the strange kind of uh almost cruelty that Gus Van Sant or capacity for cruelty because he creates a lot of characters that are like very pitiful they're like (laughs) pitiable people and like then sometimes like makes jokes at their expense which seems like punching down a little bit but then also like has like really strange and tender feelings for them like River Phoenix's character, like, like there are jokes in that movie about yeah. his narcolepsy and stuff like that. But then also, like, it's really sad and like you, like it makes me feel bad to watch it. But then also makes me laugh sometimes, and then makes me feel bad that I laughed. And I was like, Gus Van Sant, the jackass of directors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um. like that, in a way, it's like a very, uh, you know. It's an astute observation that like that pity is like kind of a condescending emotion that and so if you are uh, feeling bad for someone out of pity, it's very easy for that to turn into like a kind of resentment or just like cruel judgment of them. And, uh, the line is blurred there a lot in his movies and yeah. it's uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, I also think just you know if I'm going on like a like technical level as far as direction goes i think the performances across the board in this movie are very good and i was like that's pretty impressive like he got great performances out of people's whose styles i wouldn't Mm. think would mesh you know he got jonah hill Mm. joaquin phoenix jack black and uh rooney mara all like on the same wavelength for this movie and I was Next, like put them in a fairly brother I, I know right yeah. I was like that's really two. good like he, he really pulls <laughs> all those styles together into his style and I'm like that's good Jack direction will be the Marshall Holly he's the piano genius <laughs> speaking of problematic faves loved Joaquin in this and Sisters Brothers yeah, yeah he, he had stop a good loving year. Joaquin he, he had a good year I also liked he's him he's a gross in, uh, guy <laughs> um, you were never really here uh, shout oh, out yeah. to him in that as well. Yeah. 
Uh, have so some early. Ilya thoughts to add to the last two movies. Uh, Fandom Thread, 2018 movie I'm most eager to rewatch. Didn't love it as much as others did, but really solid and funny. Huge upgrade <coughs> to PTA's past work. Um, don't worry, mm-hmm. you won't get far on foot. Gus Van Sant is a pop filmmaking treasure. You can take elements that I dislike or even hate. Joaquin Phoenix, Jonah Hill, non-disabled actors playing disabled characters, difficult artists, and somehow make it work. Jonah Hill's a standout. And not just for his disco dancing. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Love Jonah. Great editing too. I love the structure. Oh, the way this movie is structured and the fun kind of. Uh, there's that weird montage where the screen is like shifting. It's like an old co- oh, like yeah, yeah sitcom like a, like a basically. Panel, and I was like, yeah. I really like how Gus Van Sant isn't trying to hide behind realism in this <laughs> yeah. uh, biopic or whatever. It's, fine to make you aware that this is just a goofy movie about a guy who happens to have been a real person. Yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of Portland details. Yeah. Uh, Alright, I think we're finally here. Here we are, number five. Christian Gudegast. Den of Thieves. Uh, <laughs> finally made it to this den. Uh, what a treasure. Uh, <laughs> yep, uh, I I it's a somewhat of a bit of fun irony that uh, I only saw this movie because Ruben was very excited about it, and then he was the only one on the podcast who did it. But uh, you saw the movie that I wanted to see in the trailer. You all saw that true. movie. <laughs> yeah, and it's a good yeah, one. Uh, <laughs> um, makes great use out of uh, Butler and his like. <laughs> just meaty, disgusting presence. Oh. Uh, <laughs> meaty and I think I've mentioned it before. Descriptor. Yeah, but like how clearly swollen from steroids his hands are, and he's yeah. wearing these rings, and they just like yeah. like he couldn't possibly get them off of his hands. <laughs> uh, the way he just eats that donut and throws it away, I was like this. He's a very fun physical actor. I didn't really know that about Gerard no, Butler because no. I just think of him as like a big meathead. But uh, when he when he intimidatingly hugs that guy when yeah. he shows up at the party, <laughs> yeah. like, it's, uh, it's all kinds of gross. And um, I actually really like the the cutting and the um, uh, mixing of the action scenes. How loud mm. the guns are. Never get tired of thinking about that. Every time, just like, ba 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 ba. Yeah. Pull out that huge gun. Tearing bodies apart. Yeah. Oh yeah, that final shootout is a gym. Yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing. Unple- it's an unpleasant gym. Yes. Yeah. 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 That was um, since one of my sweet LA this traffic. Is, yeah. One of since one of my themes this year is me crying at movies. Like, and that was one of the moments that like made me like tear up and kind of cry because I was like this is unpleasant in a way that's very visceral like the the mm. loudness of the gunfire and the way that it's like ripping apart cars that are just parked around and the way they're like yelling for people to get down behind their engine blocks so they don't get hit by bullets i was like i was like jesus christ like this is this feels terrifying like it feels awful yeah. to me in a way that i don't know that i've ever seen an action movie do in a way like Action movies are usually like, you know, like, oh, it's cat and mouse. Like, it's, you know, uh, supposed to be exciting or whatever. And this one is like, no, it's sad and horrible and 
not at all good. I think I have an exception. Didn't you mm-hmm. feel that way about Black Hat? Well, I mean, <laughs> that Black Hat's not, I wouldn't say a typical action okay. movie, though. Um, Fair. <laughs> also, yeah, this, no. is, this is very Mannion. This is very much yeah. in that realm, yeah, anyhow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a really yeah. exciting so, like, anti-climax. You just like watch all of them like basically get killed with impunity. <laughs> all these people you were rooting for the whole movie, and it's like really viscerally shot and well done. But it's also sad. You're just watching all these people you were kind of rooting for just like get gunned down. Without much, uh... yeah, I wanted the thieves to win. I yeah. was for those thieves. Yeah, <laughs> the cops were the real den of thieves. <laughs> That's yeah. a good lesson to learn. <laughs> That's, yeah, the movies. Yeah, I yeah. like the, the They movie, say it outright. Yeah, yeah they, they outright. <laughs> it. It's like, yeah, we're, we're the real we're bad guys. Yeah, we're not pulling any punches. We got badges, yeah. 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 We're a gang too. We just have judges who support us. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's great. It's the commentary I want. LAPD. And I like that the movie posits that uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. is smarter than everybody else because I was like, yeah, I'm on board for that. Yeah. When will they shoot? Ice Cube. <laughs> he was British. He's great. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a British accent. Boy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know anything, so I can't comment. But Stephen did tell me after we watched that movie that uh, it's the most convincing he's ever heard an American person do a British accent. <laughs> wow. Like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, go Shay. <laughs> <laughs> all of O'Shea's acting for that movie went into that one scene <laughs> <laughs> he bought like a hundred thousand dollar dialogue coach yeah yep but so he can land yeah good stuff uh, best movie experience of the year <laughs> yeah yeah that was uh Mitchell and I saw it together when he was coming to visit yep. first thing Mitchell said after we were done that movie is cool as hell <laughs> that's <Still> right <laughs> I'm still right. <laughs> what a cool movie. Yeah, I'm excited to, to rewatch it. Yep. Oh boy, it's on in the background last night and it was great. It's like, oh yeah, this scene's great. This scene's great. Every scene's great. <laughs> they intimidate the 50 cents daughter's date or whatever. Yeah. No. That seems <laughs> definitively what a, not what a great. great scene. No. <laughs> <laughs> It seems like one of the major reasons I didn't give this three stars. <laughs> Big mistake. <laughs> yeah. I also like the cinematography, which I don't think that Ruben does. Oh, yeah, no. It's a nice uh, washed that's out, also great. sun-baked LA feel. I like parts of it. The mm. scene of the birds on the beach. Really beautiful. Mm. Oh, that yeah. seems amazing. <laughs> wow. Gerard Butler up against More that blue. More birds on beaches. Oof. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who knew? Who knew that the writer of uh, yeah. White House Has Fallen or yeah, White House, yeah, uh, Olympus Has Fallen. Yeah. Olympus Has Fallen? Yeah, I, I, that was possibly the biggest surprise. I was like, oh, one of the writers of London Has Fallen is directing a movie? This is going to be awful. He's and like, then, I know that uh, Butler's gross. Let's yeah. lean into it. Yeah. yeah. He's been waiting <laughs> like, on the sidelines studying <laughs> Butler. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. I can use this guy. <laughs> genuinely couldn't believe that the writer of one of, of my least favorite movie of 2016 was uh, mm-hmm. was that 2016 or was that last year? Oh, who cares? <laughs> yeah, I think it was probably 2015 because London Has Fallen was last year, right? Was it? 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure. Okay, all right. Maybe it was. I Unless can't remember they did them back-to-back back years. It, it was very bad. Yeah, but yes. Also, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> They're bad I mean, movies. Yeah. Even if you thought those movies were fine, which is crazy, like (laughs) they're gonna get caught in the river of time. No one is gonna remember the Happy (laughs) Boy movies in like one and a half years. (laughs) Except there's another one coming out 2019. They probably don't even. It probably isn't even connected to the other two. They've probably forgotten. They don't know where the scripts (laughs) went. (laughs) Like, uh, just start from scratch. Shooting down Air Force One in this one. (laughs) The the premise. Well, that's cool. So now we're to my number five, which uh, is, I'm pretty sure, not going to get tabled, and it's the opposite. Uh, it's a very uncool movie that I like, and that's uh, How to Talk to Girls at Parties. <laughs> oh, yeah, nice. It's a movie about a very uncool person who wants to be fun, <laughs> but he's really shitty. <laughs> he's like an annoying dweeb. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, really longing to find a girlfriend, and then... Uh, he goes to this party at first he's like hitting on this one girl and he's like oh you've got six fingers no thank you <laughs> and then he, he meets Elfanny's character and he's like mm, you're hot nothing you say makes any sense to me but I'm just gonna ignore that <laughs> I'm just gonna ignore with it. any you know sort of connection so it's a it's a pretty great takedown I think of the like awful trope called born sexy yesterday where aliens and robots just show up and they're sexy and then men want to have sex with them. This movie is like, yeah, they're weird. Like, <laughs> if you want to have sex with, like, a weird alien that you just met, you're, just, you're a shitty person. <laughs> oh. <Yeah. laughs> they were cool aliens. <laughs> yeah, the aliens are good. He's shitty. He's, he's yeah. the person who's shitty. The aliens a big are better. Dork. You should definitely eat your young. That's yeah. definitely something I can get behind. Um, uh... I think. Oh yeah! Before you get onto, I just wanted to say that I, I feel like it must be an intentional dig that when they flash forward to the future, John Cameron Mitchell has the actor dressed exactly like Neil Gaiman. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, this movie weird. is definitely <laughs> in tension with its source material because Neil Ga- Gaiman also sucks. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is definitely wish fulfillment on his part. And John Cameron Mitchell was like, "This is a bad wish. Get a new wish." <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think it matches up with uh, the protagonist also has a really dumb name. His name is N. His very loose politics. There's a great scene where they're like in a treehouse, apparently. El Fanning is like, what does punk mean? And he has no idea how to define it because <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's completely defined internally, externally. It has no ethos to it. He's just like, punk is like when you stick it to the man. Mm. And she's like, who is the man? Yeah. And he's like, mm. And then she says he has a small, funny penis. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. It's a perfect scene. <laughs> she's like, I like your small, funny penis. It's like a flower. It opens. <laughs> uh, she's great at it. One of the best performances of the year, Elle Fanning. She really uh, leans into like how discomforting a manic pixie dream girl should be. It's like, yeah, she changed her life, but also she's just a freak. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's so. Uh, I, I love that scene where he like goes into kiss her and she like moves her head down and like snips his armpit <laughs> and is like moving her head all over his body. And I was like, well, this is weird and funny. I thought for sure she was going to be a repeat winner. Elle Fanning. Mitchell was right again two years ago when he talked about 20th century women. Mm-hmm. The beguiled 20th century women and uh, she's on and her own. This. She's just, a juggernaut. Just, you can't stop her. She's the best of the fannings. <laughs> Although I, I did see the Mary Shelley biopic, and oh. that wasn't very good. But nobody came out of that unscathed. That was pretty <laughs> bad all around. 
Uh, um, yeah, this, mm, the, the, the song, the scene where they sing the song, that's a scene of the year. That's a great yeah, scene. Yeah, great scene. <laughs> yeah, pretty amazing. I wish I liked this more. I like it a lot on paper, but like the act of watching it, I wasn't super engaged. It's exhausting. But, it's supposed yeah. to be, but I mean, yeah. I'm the one apparently who likes exhausting movies. Yeah. I like The Forbidden Room. I like 24 frames better than everybody else. Yeah, that's it's nothing true. I like than be reminded about how stupid and long life is. <laughs> <laughs> All three of those are movies I yeah. like in theory, but uh, yep, <laughs> didn't enjoy watching that much. But and I'm like, uh, why is this still going on? And it's like, why is anything yep. still going on? <laughs> Just end it all. Hot, hot preview for next year. Your number one movie will be Lafleur. Yeah. Eighteen hours of This is the best. Keep uh, going. I hate when long movies try to pretend that they're not long. Don't divide up uh, out one into twelve sections or whatever. Just give me one long acting exercise. Yeah. yeah. Um, you probably won't yeah, like LaFleur then. I had one more comment about this, uh, which is to that punk ethics. I don't think it's intentional, but I think it's a funny sort of like unintentional commentary on centrism's own shitty ambiguity that like because it has no actual definition of what it is other than in the center of the other things that are pulling on it. <laughs> that it's right. like this, you know, it's this is where you end up is like you don't really have any, you know, actions that you're like taking. Um, and this is one of two alien invasion films on my list, and both of them mm. seem to nail how I feel about the world better than any films that take place <laughs> in the real oh. world. <laughs> nice. Wow. Yeah. Science fiction. That's what it'll do for you. Exciting. There you go. The power awesome. of fiction. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The science variety. Mitchell is just relentlessly owning me on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is very funny. <laughs> Bra bra bra. My number five <laughs> is Ted Fence, classical period. Yeah. Uh, a beautiful movie uh, that's only like 61 minutes. Woof. The opposite. Once a, yes, I know. I'm, I'm not going in a different direction movie. here. I like movies that I can walk out and I still have the day ahead of me. <laughs> and uh, this is one of those. Uh, some of the best cinematography of the year. Um, I can't remember if I've made fun of this on this podcast. I certainly have on Letterboxd a lot, but, you know, I love the 16 mil, but it's become a crutch, blah, blah, blah. Like, people just use it because it, like, aesthetically just, like, looks great almost always. It's hard to fuck it up. It has a real classical lo-fi feel. Uh, but Ted Fent gets crutch it. Crutch those blacks. Um, yeah, well. Crunch them. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I, 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 he's like an ultra independent director. He he literally just like works like odd jobs around the city. And he's projectionist at Lincoln Center and just saves all his money so he can buy all the film stock to make his movies himself <laughs> and like independently own them. It's a really beautiful ethos. Um, this is a lot like uh, my aforementioned uh, notes on a, an appearance where it's uh, you know sort of a movie. Well, the premise is it's about a uh, a book club in Philly that uh, discusses Dante's Inferno. So it's just um, an hour long movie watching this book club like discuss esoterica. Um, and it's a movie of like people saying a lot of things and a lot of very smart things and discussing this very dense text and getting into the minutia of it, but like never actually having any genuine connection. They never say anything real. And in the couple brief moments where there is some sort of like stab at like, you know, genuine camaraderie based on like emotions or something outside of Dante's Inferno um, or Bach, they also like Bach a lot. 
Uh, there's a nice uh, exercise talking about how like Bach like changes classical music. You can learn a lot from this movie too. But like a couple of times when there's any sort of like attempt at pathos, um, you know, it, it always gets stonewalled. It always gets misread by one of the characters, um, and they just kind of go back <laughs> to talking about Dante again. Uh, <laughs> it is very nicely paced, just like you know, ten minute scenes talking about Dante or architecture, uh, and it's uh, you know some of the best non actor performances I've I've seen in a minute. Um, Ted Fent casts like basically like old high school friends from his like small town in like New Jersey that borders on Philadelphia. So there's kind of all these like, you know, awkward towny looking dudes, but he like knows them really well and plays to their strengths. Um, it, it's, it's great. If, if it's possible to find, uh, it should be watched. He, he kind of makes his nice. movies a little obscure, unfortunately. Um, Sorry. but yeah, as his whole, his whole filmography can be taken out in like less than two and a half hours. He has one other hour long feature and like three, 15-minute shorts or something. Uh, it's great. Uh, love it. <laughs> watch nice. Classical Period. Yeah. Will do, if I can. Please. From Portland? Do it. <laughs> I'll, I'll hook you up. I might be able, <laughs> might be able uh, nice. to get something going. Sweet. Yep. Okay, well, my number four is the favorite. Nobody oh, pet Not nobody table. table in this one. No. Um, no, I... Um, I like that this is a movie where um, it's just women controlling uh, their own narrative. That's pretty fun to see. Mm -hmm. um, but also it's a movie about abuse and how abuse is sort of built into the system that they uh, perform in, I guess. Um, and it's also about the way that the men around them sort of see the rigors of court life as kind of a game. And so there's like uh, an extended scene in the middle of the movie that's shot in slow motion where these men are just throwing fruit at this other man. And they're all, they all look like they're having the time of their lives. But yeah. the women are like, what are you doing? Like, this is ridiculous. And the men you can't don't... even open a fruit crate without calling the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> they, they, like, they don't ever seem to be taking anything seriously. Um, and the women are taking everything very seriously because they know that at any point, all of it can be taken away from them just because they are women. And there's a scene kind of late in the movie where Rachel Weiss, you know, is poisoned by uh, Emma Stone's character. And she, Love a good poisoning. Yeah, uh, a lot of poisoning this year, actually. Uh, mm -hmm. Good year for poison mushrooms. Actually, last year was a good year for poison mushrooms too. Big, Every big mood which way you in look. cinema, I guess. Uh, but she basically like is on the brink of losing everything just because people don't know who she is when they yeah. find her, like you know, alone in the woods after she's been poisoned. And I think there's kind of a like weird, funny moment there where it's like, oh right, like everything I have is you know or it, it's I guess more for the audience too because she seems to already know this but like everything that she's built even though she's in a position of power is like on this <clears throat> knife edge you know of like who she knows and who she's connected to and so you know like it's um, and I guess you see it too with Emma Stone's character because she's nobody until she actually marries this man and the man mm -hmm. gives her legitimacy and so it's this weird system of like 
who are you going to be abused by to keep you in the good graces of the system, basically. <laughs> and um, that power dynamic is very interesting, and it's it's also like you know just a very funny movie in general. Like Jorgos yeah. Lanthimos is good at that. Um, there's also some great line readings. Uh, the part where Nicholas Holt says, "A man has to look pretty." is like one of my favorite lines of the year uh oh, he's so good yeah it, it it's yeah. it's got a, you know fantastic performances in it and i love that olivia coleman is sort of the the perfect choice to play oh, the character she plays my queen because she's <laughs> like she can be funny but i also like find her very believable being extremely mean to people too so it's like she could walk that line of like the the worst most horrible tyrant you've ever met in your life but then like extremely funny and kind of vulnerable on the other hand and i'm like did you oh. look at me yeah no my queen <laughs> so, look at me look at me <laughs> don't do look at yeah. me <laughs> and the part where she's eating the cake and then she just like vomits into the thing and then just keeps eating the cake i was like oh i i buy all of this like olivia coleman can do it all she can really she really rocks that and and her keeping the the rabbits as her children too it's it's like a very funny like vulnerable part of her character where she's like extremely insecure about not having a child of her own but then like at some points you're like i don't her if i was her child i would be scared of her (laughs) because she's very mean (laughs) that's uh uh, monarchy a bad system yeah bad (laughs) (laughs) It's a very fun, also use of. Uh, I mean, just like, like, pretty obvious, but that they're all just like babies or whatever. There's the part when uh, uh, Emma Stone is like sitting on the floor crying, and she just looks like every like toddler you've ever seen, <laughs> yeah. like crying and be like, <laughs> and, uh, so good. <laughs> uh, Rachel Weitz has got that great. Writing mm. coat. What an awesome coat. Yeah. And they're shooting. And I was like, man, this yeah. is the best coat in cinema She's this year. Yeah. <laughs> Very powerful good coat. costumes in this, too. Like, the costumes are excellent. Yeah. yeah that's what people always say about, <laughs> like, period movies. Yeah. But I think Lanthimos even above and beyond. And <laughs> yeah. I'm very, very excited that Olivia Coleman is going to be, uh, at least fingers crossed, like, Academy Award nominee Olivia <laughs> Coleman for the rest of her career. Really looking forward to seeing Sophie of Peep Show fan in, in the audience at the Oscars. Yeah, she's Mark the there to support her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I like this movie. It's definitely I considered honorably mentioning it, but I thought it either would come up or that it would be very funny if it wasn't mentioned on the podcast at all. I figured both those <laughs> options were really good. Um, I personally feel like, even though I'm a big fan of, I'm a Phantomos, that uh, he made some concessions Likewise. aesthetically in order Likewise. to make this more palatable to a wider audience mm. when I wasn't there for them. But uh, he's, his, his scripts are, you know, there. He's still rocking it. I love, well, love what he has to one. say about the world. Okay. Yeah. Well done, his choice in script. Yeah. 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 yeah um, Therein I, lies the difference, perhaps. He didn't write. Yeah, I learned something about uh, his scripts. Apparently, he writes them in Greek and then puts them through Google Translate, which is why they <laughs> sound the way that they do. Why? Was like, That's actually, a hilarious what a choice. genius! That's, That's a hilarious perfect. Choice. <laughs> <laughs> Makes, Makes so the scene sense. where um, 
what's his name? Barry Kogan is explaining yeah. <laughs> things to Colin Farrell even funnier. Yeah. <laughs> because Yorgo Lithmus already had to have it explained to him by Google Translate. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think uh, the the choice in script is very very good and the. Uh, um, uh, what was I gonna say? I lost the thread, but um, aesthetics. Oh, I mean, it was it's nice to see that uh, you know he can direct actors in English not doing the uh, thing that they do in the previous two movies. <laughs> Talk a little bit more naturalistically. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. It's about aesthetics. I think that uh, it is funny that he got away with using this much fisheye in a yeah. period film. Yeah. I was like, it's a weird choice. That, a period film that... shot by a 90s music video director. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the, the weird but... like 90s dancing in it, too. Like It's very funny to me. Um, uh, for some reason, always... I'm a loser, baby. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you kill me? <laughs> Yeah, I really like that, that dancing sequence. It's very funny. But yeah, I guess it continues. It's like a weird visual marriage of Barry Lyndon and Clockwork Orange instead of uh, <laughs> The Shining like yeah. he did last year. Or it's like lots of weird fisheye and also just like long tracking shots through these weird old rooms. It's nice. <laughs> like it. Very distracting looking, which I think is a fun way to shoot a period film. Undoubtedly. The main thing I'm going to take about away from this movie is a fetish I didn't even know I had until I saw it, which is apparently women with scars on their faces. <laughs> 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 Wrap your face up in a bandage. <laughs> Ooh, la, la. Hmm. Oh, yeah, the part when she shoves her out of bed is very funny. <laughs> face frightens me. <laughs> <sighs> Good times. All right. Uh, I know it's not being tabled again, but the previously tabled coming up right now. Deborah Granick's Leave No Trace mm-hmm. for me, number four. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I. Uh, it only took ten years, but people are finally on the Ben Foster train with me. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Hawk uh, of that horn since the three ten to Yuma remake. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> That's a performance from him. <laughs> <laughs> He's big. He's great. Uh, yeah, I... Um, uh, LSD, I mentioned, would come up before. And here it is, coming up again. Uh, when Haley and I were visiting Mitchell in New York, and we all did us some fun LSD, uh, we started talking about... Uh, the feds are the going US to come get us, Basil. Yeah, oh no. <laughs> Track us down. Because we already talked about killing politicians being good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. God. It's necessary. Uh, but, uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, he gave away our rebrand. <laughs> Set him free. Set him free. <laughs> He had some good ideas. He's a genius. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but Haley recently, uh, we came to, uh, she came to the conclusion that, like, uh, well, I mean, people keep talking about the United States and totalitarianism and descent into it, and she's like, no, we already live in a totalitarianism. Like, 
you can't uh, like the definition of totalitarianism is that it's a totality you you can't opt out and this movie is about mm. like what happens when you try to opt out of society that society just brings the hammer down on you it's like nah you're not allowed to do this this is this is dumb this is bad you gotta be a participant yeah yeah Get you can't just live out in a state park <laughs> and uh you know that came up in terms of when we talked about dropping out like dropping out used to be a really big thing in the 60s and part of the way that cracking down on dropping out happened was exactly what's in this movie like people used to just go live in state parks and then they're like nah if we let people go live in state parks they'll do it because it's better than participating <laughs> in society <laughs> so we have to stop them because they'll start their own communities like then we'll just have our own like separate community outside the United States but inside it and we can't allow that so uh, now it's illegal to live in state parks and you know uh, so that's like basically how this movie starts and uh, I love the cinematography and sound design in this movie the way that Deborah Granick like makes everything mechanical feel really alien and very off-putting like they're riding in that big egg up to the hospital mm. and I was like this is a creepy big egg like <laughs> i see that big egg all the time it's right there in portland it's a portland fixture i always wondered who rode those like, yeah <laughs> now you know it's uh <laughs> it's very unsettling and uh same with like later on the christmas tree farm the way <laughs> he, <laughs> she shoots the the thing chopping down and you know cutting up those christmas trees i was like yeah this is very very off-putting there's like a metallic hum to everything that is contrasted really nicely with all the outdoor scenes. I love the but, Christmas tree stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I would say that... You want to live in the woods? Cut down the woods yeah. and process it for capitalism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fucking fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say, actually, because I do have some issues with this movie, it should be lower on my list, but just how much it keyed into these feelings that I've been feeling and talking about basically all year I was like oh great like I think that the one complaint that I'll have about the movie is that it doesn't really go far enough it's like a little bit pragmatic about it uh, at times and I think it could be even more uh, radical in terms of uh, suggesting different things I mean I think Ben Foster like uh, it gets away with it a little bit because he's got the child and stuff like that but I think that, and also the idea of like PTSD being just like, like you don't really, no one wants to drop out of society unless they have like some trauma or something like that. Like, yeah. I don't think that's exactly what the suggestion of the movie is, but I think there's a way people could read it that way and kind of misinterpret what it's getting at. Mm. But that, uh, you know, also like the idea of like, ooh, like you shouldn't live out in the woods alone because like you might die or whatever is like, well, you're gonna die <laughs> like yeah. like it's like a weird fake uh reason to not do something is like uh well, you definitely won't ever die as long as you stay in society <laughs> you live forever yeah. but you have a long exhausting life yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and so you know i mean the fact that he has the daughter so it's like well you can't be so cavalier with your life but there's plenty of ways that a dad could just die and regular society and then the daughter's still alone like it's not that that different except yeah. for yeah <laughs> people decided it is yeah mm -hmm. it's a pretty good movie 
Yeah. I was very surprised. I was really on the fence about watching it. I only like put it on early in the morning because I was like, well, people keep talking about this movie. Yeah. And then I was like, uh, and I was like, oh, I'm tired. I don't know if I'll even pay attention to this. But then grabbed my attention right away, and I was like, oh, no, wait, never mind. Yeah. I'm really into this. <laughs> yeah, I, that that's actually what I liked about the movie the most, I think, is that it does a very good job of visually telling the stories without having people mm-hmm. over-explain stuff a lot. And it's actually yeah. like, technically very good because it sets up the main conflict of the movie, which is Tom wanting to live in society and... Um, I can't remember Ben Foster's character's name, but him wanting to Fosty. pull away. Yeah, Fosty. Fosty. Yeah. Him wanting to pull away from society. And it sets that up without them ever saying anything. You just see their actions where she's like planting this garden and like literally putting down roots. <laughs> and he is, he is like, uh, yeah, like, I don't, whatever. Like, just make sure you keep yourself hidden. Like, make sure you keep yourself away from these people, you know, like and she you know like <clears throat> inching ever closer to the you know the the path the trail or whatever the like worn places in the woods that she can actually like meet someone else um she wants that jewelry yeah. she finds on the path and yeah. it's like mm, yeah. if it's still there when we come back yeah yeah <laughs> but that yeah, i like the um i would say this is going to be on my short list for best screenplay even though it's probably the movie i watched with the least words in it just yeah. because <laughs> it's so effective and what it like chooses not to say compared to most screenplays so i was like that's great like they get a lot done you don't need you don't need all these long speeches and stuff yeah yeah, you, you, yeah it's films a visual medium and people forget that a lot of the time and it's yeah. like use those visuals because like audiences will pick up on that they will pick up on the inherent drama of two people in the wilderness trying to survive like that is enough drama to keep people invested like the the processes of that because you know it's it's the most base thing that you can think of is like just living just keeping yourself alive and you know there's a reason that people keep coming back to that well like people love watching movies about people you know like i guess that man versus nature or whatever Mm. that might be i like to watch movies about people slowly dying yeah (laughs) i like that like uh i don't really like the the woods unnecessary yeah yeah Yeah. Um, that might have been that might have been what took me out of this a little bit and kept it at three stars this movie's not for me but like i would not be surprised to like love one of her films down the line or maybe i'll watch winter's bone now finally which i had never seen Maybe it's a nope. big step up from Winter's Bone. Don't do it. <laughs> Shaking. <laughs> Huge improvement but, uh, on Winter's Bone. There's a, there's a fantastic scene early in the movie, right after they've been caught, when Ben Foster's forced to take this like mental health assessment test, and mm. the wallpaper is the woods. <laughs> the <Yeah>. wallpaper is <laughs> yeah. just like this big fake yeah. woods behind him. The whole time is this like, frustrating, like, I don't know how to answer these, like, yeah. one through four questions like you know the strongly agree agree disagree strongly disagree does. and he's like he's like i i feel all of these things all the time <laughs> so he's like i don't know sometimes but not often and then, right. <laughs> and he's like getting more and more frustrated and this whole time this big fake woods is sitting behind him like this longing <laughs> yeah. fictional Locking capital him. yeah like it's like capitalism can give you everything you want except for not capitalism yeah like you can't. it's like what i want is not capitalism it's like would how can we sell you that it's like you can't <laughs> so 
stuff like that i was like man this person is a sharp sharp director but yeah, yeah. it's just not for me hmm. Hmm? same basically <laughs> yeah hmm. i was i was real real happy to love it as much <laughs> as i did mm-hmm. i'm happy it's the ethiopian food of films I'm like yes Ooh. i like this <laughs> That's makes sense to people. <laughs> makes sense to people like this, but yum, I don't yum. like it. Well, it's good. You can eat. You can eat the Ethiopian food instead. I'll take all of it. <laughs> That's the whole point of having the table. Give me that Ethiopian food. Something for everybody. Mm, yum. Oh, it's me. Yep. That's that you, Basil. No. Uh, my number four is Madeline's Madeline. Whoa. Nice. We podcast about this, and yeah. I don't really need to go much deeper into it. I think it disentangles delicate, difficult subjects like abuse, being neurodivergent, and whiteness without ever feeling preachy and while holding both its audiences and its own feet to the fire. Pretty good. Pretty good. That's true. Good stuff. <laughs> feel sort of know. similarly about Madeline's Madeline to how I feel about Leave No Trace. Mm-hmm, pretty good but <laughs> there's just like a little something missing that makes it like not completely work for me keeps it at like a three star range but, not enough yeah. dead cats yeah something to that effect <laughs> more scenes of them running over cats than being like it's dead <laughs> you know, a little <laughs> bit we don't more know if it was a cat or a dog it's unclear that's it alright yeah, yeah. I'll four. cut in our entire podcast discussing yeah. Madeline's Madeline yeah. There. Yeah, we'll have another this podcast, podcast even longer. Again with my hazy <laughs> memory of it. Um, okay, my number four, the ever controversial uh, <laughs> Joseph Kahn's bodied. <laughs> Should I call oh, it? What? <laughs> Wait, look, yeah, it was a real, <laughs> real last minute holiday pick. Watched it on Christmas Eve. Um, and uh, it was a great gift, a great holiday gift to me. <laughs> Not like a movie that was made just for me. <laughs> um, a movie I wouldn't really bother to ever argue against anyone saying they didn't like it very much. It's a um, mm, an edged movie. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, and uh, I certainly understand the instinct to not really like a movie that makes you like hate a character but also spend the whole movie with him but i don't know (laughs) i think it's a good rebuke to any white person who likes rap music i love rap music and i always sit around and think ah good it's so cool that i'm the only white person who gets to like this and anytime any other white person has comments about rap music i'm like oh sus like (laughs) (laughs) Like, i'm okay quietly But I'm I'm doing all right over here. I like it for the right reasons and respect the culture. <laughs> and, uh, and this this was a real movie that made me look in the mirror a little bit. Like, I'm never going to tell anyone I like rap music again. Just the opening scene of him like mansplaining rap to his girlfriend and be like oh yeah a bar is like it's basically like a line but it's a you know it has more like rhyme scheme to it <laughs> like all that like nerdy shit and it's just a good good warning to never over academicize any any art form that isn't like originated from like your culture that is kind of outsized uh, perspective 
Uh, I think it's also very, very funny. Some of the jokes are a little like too harsh and a little too mean. Um, the final rap battle, uh, especially, is just like just a little too brutal, um, which is the point. Um, but the movie also like never makes you think that anyone like respects this guy a whole lot. He gets called like a racist scumbag on multiple occasions. Um, there will be a, a certain 2019 movie that I see that everybody else hates as well, the coming out, that has a similar similar thing going on where they don't want to... Uh, yeah, where they don't really want to ever, like, literally spell out that this guy is horrible, but they kind of do so throughout by having other characters comment on it, but then never, like, give him an ultimate, like, comeuppance by the end. That's what happens here. He sort of, like, succeeds by the end, but, like, by also alienating himself from everybody and being, like, a horrible monster person and just, like, leaning into... Yeah, it's like whiplash, but... I Even mean that was fun. That was the tweet I sent out. It was like a, a yeah. more relevant, cool whiplash. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like yeah, everyone hates him at the end, but he's got clout finally. And then the final music cue, it cuts into my name is by Eminem. <laughs> oh my lord! I was yeah, over the Eminem moon. made you look in the mirror. That's something you admitted on this podcast. He produced this movie. <laughs> yep, yep, it's so good. I'm glad he did. <laughs> it made me respect Eminem more. And then it goes into my name is. And I was singing my name is all throughout Christmas Eve and nice. no one enjoyed it. There's also a Jay Quan Tipsy music cue. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> perfect. Wow. Yeah, the whole thing is pretty yeah. perfect. And the guy who plays Ben Grimm could be a performance of the year. He was on my list for a lead actor. He's very, very good in this. Yeah, I like Caleb Worthy a lot too. I think it's like pretty cool that he basically didn't know how to rap at all and Joseph Kahn had to teach him for this movie he's very convincing when he does those rap battles he's yeah he's a scumbag yeah <laughs> he's, uh and uh yeah I, I like the the whiplash com- comparison is very apt I was like oh this is very satisfying it's like oh yeah like uh once you remove everything else if you uh quit caring about hurting other people's feelings white privilege will win like, yeah you just uh, be like uh, I'm, I'm fine with stepping on everybody now like there's no more barriers to me being on top because i got it all baby yeah i'll crush you and it does a lot to like make fun of the kind of like liberal arts like pc speak and stuff they get a lot of jokes off on that but i think like the ultimate joke too is that like when white privileged people like remove that framework and remove those restraints like sure it sounds like corny and like you can get lost in like a snake eating its own tail thing but also as soon as he like ditches that rhetoric and just kind of goes all in like it's just a slippery slope once you start abusing <laughs> language it's just like oh yeah you start just like steering into it and you're basically believing it at that point and you've embodied it and like maybe oh, white yep. people do need all this like <laughs> all this jargon to keep them in line and keep them thinking and correcting themselves checks and balances man checks and balances <laughs> so we, we gotta we gotta have it or you need let's it. go crazy yep <laughs> yeah the, i read that i mean it's appropriate I read that thing about louis ck right now he's just steering into it he's like oh everyone thinks i suck now i guess i'll just be cool to trump supporters or whatever and yep <laughs> after so horrible jokes here uh, terrible yeah. He doesn't like it. He, he, he said he was sorry. What else do you want from him? You made me do it. <laughs> oh, so good. I still got to make a living. Yeah. I'm rich enough. Got kids to feed. His poor kids. Uh, 
Oh. Uh, yeah. turn. Got into my number three of the mm. year. It is support the girls. What? Aww. Yep. Um, this... Let's do it. Let's support them. Yep. I love supporting girls. <laughs> this is, I would say, uh, my most misleadingly reassuring film <clears throat> of the year. Uh, because it gives you an ending that sort of feels upbeat and it never feels, I don't know, like that sort of, I don't know, sense of despair is never there for this movie. But it's actually a lot of like really horrible shit happening in this movie. Like it, it That's real sad. You feel yeah, kind of buried under the weight of this, you know, I, I would say like perfect metaphor for capitalism, the the sort of like Hooters esque place that they work at, <laughs> uh, called Double Whammies. And <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's maybe like the most and, and the thing I like about that place too, um, just to sidetrack into like the production design, is that the interior of it looks so empty. Like they they could have made that place look cool, but it doesn't look cool at all. Like it looks very empty and kind of sad on the inside and i was like that's a good deliberate choice because the the place like feels horrible from the beginning Mm -hmm. um but the movie itself like i was never i never got the sense of despair from it i i i felt good but then when i thought about what i had just seen i was like why do i feel good about that like why why do i find it so funny because like a lot of the stuff isn't funny like it's it's really like horrible and I don't know there's there's something like about seeing someone be strong while they're living in just the you know like stupidest most horrible conditions that you're like it's reassuring to me on the surface but then you know thinking about it you're like oh yeah I do see all the problems that he's pointing out with the system with the way that it's set up so that you know you basically have to start a fundraiser to raise you know uh, money for someone to get like bail or I can't remember what it was for a lawyer. Yeah, but they're raising to defend the money. her. Yeah, r- raising money for a lawyer. She had an abusive boyfriend with a car. Yeah, and, and then the the reversal of that too is like, you you feel bad that Regina Hall is sort of forced into that role of like, oh I've got to be, you know, for I guess lack of a better word, like I've got to be the bitch in the scenario, like. I have got to take this money away from you that I've just given to you because of the choice that you've made. And it's <clears throat> it's interesting the way that that reversal is like, oh, that's a good, like, strong moment. Yeah. You're kind of like, yeah! It reminds me of the Florida Project a little bit. Like, <laughs> when you're the manager, you always got to be the manager and you're trapped yeah. because uh-huh. you can't be as nice to your workers as yeah. you'd like to be. Um yeah. in order to keep the job <laughs> but like yeah i think that scene is like a real sad scene for me because i feel very conflicted about it i was like if you raise money for someone and you give it to them like yeah that the whole point of charity is not that it's conditional charity yeah. it's like you need this money so we got it for you right she and didn't then, really support the girls after yeah all. yeah exactly yeah. be like <laughs> No, never mind. We you're gonna use this money for the wrong reason, so you yeah, can't have it. Yeah. Now. <laughs> the yeah. real support the girls was the friends we lost along the way. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think it's really funny because, like, on the one hand, it's like, yeah, like fucking stick it to her. But then you're like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. like, I it feels wrong now that you've stuck it to yeah. this person. Like, you, you yeah. feels like you've done something bad, and I, it's. 
it's I think sort of mirrored in the earlier scene where um, she recognizes the guy who tried to break in as the cousin of one of the guys who works in the kitchen and she's basically like oh I'm I did this nice thing for you not telling the cops that you knew the guy and like he probably broke in because you told him the code or whatever but like I've got to fire you also and she's like oh but but finish your shift also yeah. first <laughs> it's, yeah it's, it's uh... the thing of like oh i've got to be mean but i've also got to I'm, I'm gonna be as nice as i can be but i've also got to be mean <laughs> to you for this and it's you know you're like i think it fits in with what basil was saying about society with leave no trace like uh it's society is like we're here to help you, yeah. but toe the line. Yeah, or, yeah. We're not here to help you. Only it's like, so yeah, much. but you're gonna have to sub- like submit some of your humanity to us too. That's like, why liberalism <laughs> fails. Yeah, yeah. Like sacrifice your you know sanity and your you know humanity to the altar of capitalism. Because uh, I mean, like the first time we see Regina Hall, like, she's crying in her car because of all the other stuff and we don't even like learn the specifics of all the other stuff that's happening uh, especially with her and her husband or i you know uh, the man that she's separated from i guess at that point but i mean like you know enough to know like oh yeah complicated like spousal things are complicated like it's yeah. probably not even uh, worth going into it because you kind of understand. You're like, okay, I get it. I don't need to be told too much about that. I like the the way that it's it's again like a nice screenwritery trick or whatever. When they go to see that apartment, the audience doesn't know immediately that they're not like mm-hmm. looking for an apartment together. Mm-hmm. And so like when she keeps pressuring him to be like, this is real nice, right? And, like, <laughs> it's, like, this uncomfortable thing of being like, this is going to be your new home because I'm kicking you out, yeah. please. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the, the fact that she has to like call him to come pick her up before that too is just like, it seems even more soul crushing in mm-hmm. retrospect. Looking back, you're like, oh yeah, that's... That's a real awkward moment when you have to sort of like, you know, kind of uh, submit your ego to this other person because, you know, you're in a situation that demands it. Um, Still need help. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like across the board again, like, like the performances in this movie. Like, I think everybody is appropriate to who they're supposed to be in the movie. Um, a lot Santa of. Santa McHale's a real winner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, th- like, you know, I think Haley Lou Richardson does a good job in this movie too. Oh, like, sure. and, and a really like interesting version of the like relentlessly upbeat character, <laughs> where she's just relentlessly like upbeat in the doorway. And, and, and then, yeah, but then it's like kind of sad under the surface. Like you get glimpses of like, oh yeah, her. <laughs> She's like, relentlessly upbeat about a shitty life. She's yeah. dating like an old creepy professor. And she's yes. like, he's really nice to me. He teaches me law. And I'm like, that's not a good relationship. <laughs> it's, it's so, yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing great. Like, I'm going to go work at this other, like, sports bar, you know, like, Hooters knockoff <laughs> place after I quit the, you know. The man cave. Yeah, the man <laughs> Run by Brooklyn Decker. Wonderful bit of. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Freaking uh, stunt casting. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. It's Sports yeah. Illustrated's Woman of the Year or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> my Woman of the Year every year. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 but like that that scene at the end too, where they're you know screaming into the void, is mm. like the most 
positive version of that scene that I've ever seen. Like, the, it's not playing up the idea of, like, you know, normally you see that as, like, some sort of horror thing where you're screaming into the void, but they're just yelling off of a rooftop <laughs> of the, like, man cave hiring offices or whatever. <laughs> but it's very funny. Like, it's it's very funny the way that the the line delivery is, too, of the, like, you know, first you're going to be crying, then you're going to be screaming, then you're going to be, like, you know, the, like the steps to a breakdown i guess and it's sort of matter-of-factly delivered but it's also funny in the moment and then in retrospect you're like oh no that's horrible and sad uh but it does a good job of walking that line like i love yeah i think even that shot or whatever i don't know it's like there's like a weird overpass yeah in the background yeah. then like other strip mall places in the background yeah you just, i don't know uh it, it does a good job this is the year of uh contemporary society making me feel real unhappy when i look at it yeah yeah it, it does a good job of shooting things in like a not dressed up way like i like the dressed downedness and i mean like that's um the director's style like that's the way that uh computer chess looks too that's the only other one of his that i've seen but like it's it's supposed it's deliberately dressed down and i i they all kind of are. like that that he doesn't you know he doesn't play up that aspect and um i also like regina hall's little like bits of um business that she does when she's outside like talking on the phone or like outside just being mad like flipping off birds and stuff like that <laughs> it's like those are really funny little bits of business that like feel super authentic uh so yeah Way to go, Buzalski. Yep. That's good. Always a I pro. Didn't, I didn't talk very much about this movie because it will be winning one of my awards. Ooh. Uh, yeah. All right. That's good. On to my number three. The uh, previously multi-tabled Death Wish. <laughs> Here comes yeah. The Live Rock. <laughs> the most appropriately yeah. titled yeah. film of the year. I do. <laughs> <Yep>. Death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've watched it twice this year. It's very good. Uh, I saw a review that talked about like how they didn't get the use of ACDs back in black, and I was like, "What are you talking about? It's the best musical." Oh my god, of the year. it's so funny. And that musical montage of him, you know, with his uh, like surgical utensils and then him like learning how to use a gun how to load it and watching youtube videos i was oh, like so yeah funny. it's a this is a perfect thing and i was like is this in the source material because this is very perfect but in the original he's just an architect or whatever mm -hmm. like changing him to a surgeon is like a perfectly funny metaphor of like mm -hmm. uh, like this god complex that this guy has or he's like I hold life in my hands. <laughs> yes. yeah. Now he goes from a person who could, you know, I could save lives, but he's like, well, now I'm in charge of taking them away. <laughs> Surgeon of death. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. A great montage of him murdering people and then removing bullets from people, <laughs> cutting back and forth between the two. So funny. Yep. Mm -hmm. When you're a surgeon, you yeah, don't want to, like, inflict the maximum amount of pain like he does to that guy with the, like, Break fluid. Oh, yeah, pouring the, the brake uh, fluid. It's <laughs> disgusting. That's a horrifying part. I mean, I, I appreciate it, but it's too effective. It, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's real but yeah, good at making me want to throw I mean, up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that 
it's a uh, it's astonishing to me what what movie people thought they were watching when they watched this movie. <laughs> no. Like yeah. there's so many extremely obvious jokes like from the word go that I'm like how uh, like but everyone was taking it seriously. It's uh, very very frustrating. Yeah. This is my uh, there's no single uh, moment like of violence. My last that looks Jedi cool. of this year. Yeah. yeah. But um but even more mad because it's like the smart film Twitter people supposedly that are yeah. so up in arms about it. They're it's never very as irritating. smart as they think. Yeah. Like the, the, the Please come at, on our podcast. Well, yeah. The, the scene at the end. The scene at the end where the, the cops look at each other and go, and one goes satisfied, and the other goes no. And he grabs a slice of pizza and eats it, and is like, now I'm satisfied. I was like, how are you taking this seriously? There's no this movie way has a fantastic relationship with food. Like, the first, the first scene of food is like, um, they like go to a nice restaurant where that's where the guy originally like he gets some information about the house, and then the food becomes more and more common and gross over the course of the film. Yeah. To where it's like the second to last scene of food is like old rotten food that Bruce is like <laughs> left all over his depressing man cave. Vince mm-hmm. <laughs> Vaughn like walks in and he's like. I think the thing I should be most upset about is that he's the killer, but the thing I'm actually most upset about is that his life has become this. Yeah. <laughs> it's disgusting. Yeah. I don't know how anybody looks at that and says, this is good. Like, this movie is portraying him in a positive light. <laughs> well, I know how really? right-wingers get it, but I would hope that left-wingers would get the, yeah. the satire, but they yeah. don't. They miss it. They, they don't. don't. Like, <laughs> it's so obvious, too. Yeah. Like, it's so... No, the, the commercial for the gun place is like... Oh, no. <laughs> It's pretty clear. That's so ridiculous. With it. Yeah. First yeah, time he um, kills somebody, it's that overhead shot, and he just goes, vroom, 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 and it's like horrible looking. It's like in broad daylight. It's gross. Yeah, there's a, a nice comment from the Institution of Gremlins 2 studies on Twitter, basically related <laughs> to this on, on accident, where they were like, uh, you know, uh, people who watch Gremlins 2 now don't know that it's a satire because the way in which it presented reality even though it was hyper at the time has just become what reality is yep. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. by being actually forward thinking and understanding like yeah. the way in which like cable TV was tilting Dante eventually just like pitched like cooking shows like <laughs> you know having like uh, the smart but bad gremlin like come on a talk show and talk about how he just wants humanity it's basically like every new york times article from the last two years of trump supporters like, <laughs> yeah it's, you know yeah. that's really oh, like God. the difference yeah, between the, like, alan uh, dershowitz stories in the new york times like, uh, i just want to be part of the conversation the difference oh. between like roth and dante is dante was like a little bit more ahead of his time like gremlins 2 was like four years before like the cable yeah. tv revolution really changed things was he was like doing it right at the same time so people are like oh this is just a portrayal of what's happening i'm like yeah what's happening is crazy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people are getting radicalized on youtube they're watching sports videos and then it's like watch yeah. ben shapiro own a you know poor teacher and then you're like well that sounds funny and then you click on that <laughs> and then it's like watch how star wars the last jedi is actually about the feminist trying to kill you and then you watch that and then suddenly you're watching like decapitation videos from riyadh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like whoops <laughs> yeah. it all goes down oops oops that's the subtitle of this movie yeah. oops a racist <laughs> Yeah, uh, one of the funniest jokes that I didn't 
fully appreciate or pick up on the first time I watched it or the second time is like when they're cutting to the radio news station or whatever and the guy's like Sway in the morning initially coming out yeah. yeah yeah he's coming out pretty hard being like blah 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 but should we be allowing this kind of vigilante justice I mean he's shooting blah 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 and then like he pauses for half a second and he's like all right, callers, call yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have to have this forced, like, diplomacy of this radio show where he's, like, saying something really, uh, like, strong and making a strong statement, but then he's just like, well, let's open it up to the callers. Yeah. Let's see what everyone else thinks. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's two uh, radio hosts, Sway, the voice of reason, mm-hmm. and then that other guy who you never see who's, like, a little more, sure. like, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> conservative talk, talking head, like, whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm. Little Rush Limbaugh-esque. Yeah, Rush Limbaugh. yeah, good it's movie. Very, very good use of Bruce that Willis, too. I like Bruce no. Willis in this. I don't know if he knows what he's doing. No, he never does. He's never known what he's doing. Keanu and Knock Knock is, like, very consciously, like, really oh, well-playing, yeah. like, a dumb bad dad. I think Bruce Willis just got cast because he probably is just kind of a dumb bad dad and just, like, has his big blockhead. <laughs> and then just, like, let him loose. But he's kind of an automaton. It's pretty funny. He's like, his head's so big. <laughs> he puts that hood on. It's funny. Yeah, yeah I also, yeah, um, he's not going to win my award, but Vincent D'Onofrio as the, like, creepy uncle who's basically oh, yeah. playing his character from it. Law & Order SVU. But he's just, <laughs> like, Eli Roth has just repurposed him as a creepy uncle. I'm like, that's a great, like, a great bit of stunt casting there. Because it's like, oh, just play the same character you play on that uh, cop show where you're a cop. <laughs> <laughs> but just be a creepy uncle. And I was like, yes, he gets it. Like, that's exactly who that character is. Yep. And it all come, uh, culminates in uh, the cops being like, oh, we know you did it. Yeah, but, but we're going to buy your cool bullshit story that's obviously bullshit. You're part of the same gang that we are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah mm. part of that gang with uh, Gerard Baller. <laughs> this is the Magic Den of Thieves. Good old Dean Norris. <laughs> <laughs> what a delightful turn from his too serious role at Breaking Bad, where he's like, yep. really yep. troubled about yeah. Yeah. <laughs> following the law. But also, he <laughs> loves his brother-in-law. All right, is that is that it for Death Wish? Uh huh. Let's yeah. do it. All right, uh, I got another movie that's been tabled a lot. It's my number three before we vanish. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, another alien invasion movie. <laughs> Yep. And about how maybe, maybe the aliens should take over the world. We're not really doing <laughs> that. <laughs> um, uh, it's, a, it's an especially appropriate movie for uh, Kurosawa to make for me because I have real trouble uh, coming up with the right words and concepts to talking about his movies. Mm. And this movie is about aliens who steal them from you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, hmm. That's that's the reason why I can't I can't do it. I watch his films and they're the aliens themselves. They take my ability to talk about film. Um, no one shoots movies like Kiyoshi Kurosawa. He didn't win my cinematography, uh, or his cinematographer didn't win my award for it this year. But every year he releases a film. He's in the top five or ten. He's never. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. his films are super weird looking and like in really uh, off kilter ways. I was just like scanning through to make sure that my copy was good. Uh, last night and there's a scene where people are running and the camera is just moving back and forth left and right <laughs> like on a, 
on a track and so it looks like a video game or something like this like you're mm. looking around while they're running straight and i'm like i didn't hate this but i also love it <laughs> like this is not how i would have hoped to be shot which is why it's so interesting um it's even though it's like his most straightforward film i still like have trouble like discussing like exactly why mm-hmm. uh, it lands for me but yeah i mean you know it's not like exactly subtle he's like here's how a person acts when you take this thought away from them this is how they act so it's a pretty clear commentary on what he thinks of that take away someone's ability to possess things and suddenly they become an advocate for peace they want to end war (laughs) (laughs) it's like yeah all right um it's a movie with the man who shoots a machine gun at a drone (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) tiyoshikosawa is not exactly pulling punches um but the human behavior here i still think remains like as frustrating and tantalizingly murky as ever he's always the director that i most want to write about and feel that i have the least words for (laughs) yeah it's true i I rather agree he's uh he always has some very heady ideas he thinks thinks like no one else he's a unique man (laughs) yeah he turns these movies out um going into like the logic of the story itself like the idea that the aliens want to understand the society before they destroy it <laughs> is really interesting to me. And I'm like, what better way to understand a society than to just take their concepts of things away? And I was like, that's pretty, that's pretty cool, actually. Like, a kind of a brilliant plan by them where they're like, oh, yeah, we just want to understand how it functions. So we're just going to take, like, the big overview and just sort of get... Because concepts are, you know, I guess things that you learn. Like, they're... Yeah things that can only come from the society itself and so there's no better way to understand what the society is than to understand the concepts that it teaches everyone and you know that's kind of a you know a thing that i've literally never seen in a movie before uh, I, I don't know and as a metaphor on colonialism very effective <laughs> yeah. as a, japan a, a colonized country <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Got some stuff yeah, to say about it. The, oh, the, yeah, the drone scene is like that. That's like a brilliant metaphor, I think, like, because it's, it's about, even a metaphor. Yeah, it's basically, mean, just like yeah, the I text. Mean, <laughs> it's just, just funny an to, essay on yeah, screen. It's just funny to me, like how, yeah, like how much like uh, an alien spacecraft the drone seems. You're like, this is a movie about alien invasion, but this is not the aliens that are attacking. This is the humans attacking the aliens. And I was like, oh, this is very weird. And, you know, yeah, like, it might as, like, America might as well be aliens attacking countries in the Middle East. Like, with the way that that drone warfare (laughs) works, it's like, yeah, we might as well just be like aliens. We don't treat them like they're part of the same group as we are. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So that's that's great. Like that that stuff yeah. is really interesting. Yeah, the is, whole uh, threat of the journalist character following them along while they just like <laughs> destroy yeah. everything. Speaking yeah. of, yeah, the New York Times doing articles yeah. about the most destructive people in the world he's just like well it's a good story it's like i feel like you should be doing something other than that yeah and he's like "Mm, gotta write he has a mild change of heart he like just shouts into a random crowd once and he's like yeah whatever like (laughs) who is going to believe this actually (laughs) gotta get those clicks (laughs) that scene of him getting a missile shot at him is one of the most over the top <laughs> beautiful sequences. It's just, it's 
(laughs) throwing his body around. It's great. Great physical comedy. Yeah, you just covered up your microphone for a second so we didn't hear a word of what you just said. Oh, no. No, Careful with the knee. It's rubbing your mic. My mic's down here. Okay. Uh, It must be coming from here. Oh, I see. The mic you used to speak to us, not the mic you used to record your sound. Hmm. Technology eludes we'll me sometimes. <laughs> For sure. that, that'll be coming uh, up later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, oh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is something that Kurosawa almost always nails. Is he's extremely good with actors. Like, all the main performances in this could be in my top five, and I think at least one of them is. And, and hmm. it's, uh, he just, he always gets great performance. Like, for... For a genre director who doesn't necessarily need to invest that much in these kinds of things, it's it's always impressive to me the the craft he puts into yeah just getting great performances. A very oh. common experience for me after watching a Kiyoshi Kurosawa film is like, oh, that person was really good. I should see what else they've done. And then they've just done like video game adaptations, <laughs> and like voices in animated movies. And I was like, what? <laughs> this person is so good. Apparently all they do is like Korean pop dramas. <laughs> it's like, he was just like, oh yeah? It was just on in the background. He's like, that's who I want. <laughs> Put it on my movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you said that colonialism bit because it really lands why uh, something works so well for me in the movie which is how horrifying the scenes when you get to actually see him steal Mm. concepts from people are like because i was like a little bit confused although still impressed with like the idea that like even some of their lives were like better after they had had concepts stolen from them that it's time he still presents it as like really upsetting but like that colonialism trap works really well that colonialism reading Mm. works really well with that which is like yeah maybe colonialism delivered you health care but at what cost? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> bad one. A bad cost. A horrifying, frightening <laughs> one. Good. Let's see All some right. graphs about how the world's better. Give us those graphs. There is. <laughs> uh, Mitchell's turn? Numero three. Number three. We're going with Valerie Macedian's Mila... Uh, I got uh, to, yeah. yeah, this is coming up at some point. Yep, it had to come up eventually. Here it is. <laughs> got to rewatch it recently. It's still as good as ever. Um, just some of like the best maison scene I've seen all year. <laughs> A word I hate to use, but it's all I can use in this case. Every shot yeah, is just like oh, so particularly set up. The color schemes are perfectly matched. The placement of the actors is ideal. You know, their movements are you know, naturalistic, but like obviously really smartly choreographed. Uh, you know, just kind of a really lovely, simple story uh, about uh, you know a couple living kind of out on the fringe. You know, maybe not like entirely destitute, but you're just coming from not a lot and trying to build a life together, and then tragedy strikes. Uh, and uh, old Mila herself is left to uh, raise a child by herself. Um, but it does a really good job of intentionally skipping over any like explicitly dramatic or tragic elements. It's uh, a movie that 
you know, could exist within the realm of kind of miserableism or poverty porn, but like actively makes the choice to never really like feed you anything that would play into that. And I think that's really nice too. Uh, it's a great central performance, a uh, mostly quiet one. You know, Mila herself's marked by being just kind of like a shy, quiet woman, but uh, you know, she gives off a lot in it. Uh, it's very exciting. I, I believe this is only. Uh, Macedonian's second movie, so maybe there'll be more nice. exciting movies from her to come. I I, I really liked Mila. It's a beautiful yeah, movie. I, I I started watching it and I liked what I saw, but uh, I was really tired and in a weird mood, so I was like, ah, I gotta stop watching this movie and come back to it. But I haven't had a chance to. It's mm-hmm. just a few days ago that I started it. I decided uh, a couple days ago that I was just gonna quit it on the 2018 movies and just if I felt like watching something rewatch stuff that I uh yep, like a movie that's about to come up in a second I rewatched part of it last night and yeah. Death Wish really rewatched some other things fun 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 yeah same deal uh, basically yeah. bodied and gaudy were at those were the last two I stuck in <laughs> body gaudy <laughs> the body gaudy combo <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it's great. It's the best. Mm-hmm. One of three uses of the Violent Femmes added up this year in cinema. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And the trailer for Under the Silver Lake and Love Simon <laughs> in this. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> a great trio. A trio. Yep. Yep. <laughs> three faves. Nice. Uh, um, Patrick, on to your number two. I have a question about table. <laughs> um, if one of our movies is somebody else's number one, are we still tabling it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we sure uh, are. I'm, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm about to get tabled because <laughs> my number two is Black Klansman. Table. Yeah, oh, table. Wow. Hands have <coughs> been shown. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well, my number two, I think, is not going to be tabled. I think it's, uh, but I think it is someone else's huh? number two. I wonder. Is it? First reformed. Woo, you're correct. Uh-huh. <laughs> Table. <laughs> um, my number two is uh, Unfriended Dark Web. Ooh. Nice. I wish it was tabled. Well, I wish I could make I thought, that claim. I thought uh, for sure you and Basil would have it on your list, but I guess not. So close. It'll get a nice award. I'll give it its due. <laughs> no. <laughs> Guess I got pushed off by that mule again. Uh, nobody can mules. stop the mule. Mule's too powerful. Uh, I'm just going to read my thing. Uh, we've been stuck in Vertigo's world for far too long, watching artist after artist, thinker after thinker, confess their flaws and never as well as Hitchcock and have it praised. It's nice to see someone pick up the themes of Rear Window for once and follow them down a modern rabbit hole. Like mm. that movie... It involves looking at one screen that is filled with smaller screens, indulging our voyeurism, uh-huh. implicating us for filling our lives up with noise rather than creating meaningful connections with those in our lives. In spite of its restricted premise, it delivers some of the best cinematography of the year by filling up that screen and challenging the viewer to pay attention as well as opposed to only, uh, yeah, as opposed to guiding them by the hand. It's beautiful. It's a great looking movie. <laughs> yep. Uh, Interesting. Best, uh, I don't know. It's a it's an interesting movie. You got to watch it on a computer or in a theater. In between is uh, 
That's a real fool's errand. You can't. It's hard to read all those texts on a regular sized television mm. if you're sitting on the couch or laying in bed. It's true. But you got that computer right in front of you. you <laughs> it feels like you're in the movie. Up. Yeah, you can feel <laughs> like you're going to be murdered. What are we going to do next, guys? Love that the central crux of the movie is about a guy wanting to communicate better with his girlfriend, and uh, it's about how, you know. The internet facilitates that, but it actually doesn't. Yeah. Communication <laughs> is terrible. It's gotten Distracts worse. <laughs> Should have just taken some sign language classes instead of inventing the whole program, you dummy. Yeah, that was a real dopey move on his part. <laughs> that guy's embarrassing. I enjoy him getting his comeuppance. Yeah. Should have come out last year. It would have been a perfect for my 2017 year of the soft boy list. Oh, yeah. The softest <laughs> boy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this also, uh, the screen life technology is wonderful. I love it. It's uh, the the compositions are incredible. I, I love what they're doing with this stuff. It's great, and uh, the. I mean, I think that I wish they had gone with the alternate ending as the real one because I think it's more thematically. They're both alternate uh, endings. On point. Which one? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I, I mean, when I rented it, I when I rewatched it on Amazon, when I rented it, it's the same one that I saw in the uh, theater. So I'm guessing that that's the one they're going with as a default, unless which one is they've it? engineered some cool stuff. It's the one where he gets hit by the truck. Oh uh, yeah, the other the one's burial better. One. The burial one is better. Yeah, it is better. But uh, unless they engineered some cool thing where based on your rental it'll randomly assign you one of two files <laughs> but i don't think so that'd be very cool <laughs> but to uh i understand the, the blu-ray has two more alternate endings yeah there's a lot of alternate ways to <laughs> for these dark web hackers to get you I gotta rent this. get you no matter what yeah it's very funny the whole internet hates you it ends with everyone laughing <laughs> <laughs> uh, the swatting really. scene made us swatting legitimately terrifying it was like that's one of the oh, more yeah. harrowing sequences I've seen in a minute it's yeah, a very scary awful. scene yeah that scene's brutal Ooh. Mm. very spooky very sad uh, that it's not on anyone else's list mm. Yeah, I'm sorry, sorry Ruben. That. I let you down. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't. I, I didn't should have been around to see it. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, I forgot fine. about it. But, uh, <coughs> yeah, on uh, on my rewatch, I was more distracted by the acting than I had remembered being in the theater. Yeah, it's not the best. Bumped it down <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, it's not uh, the best acting. But, although I think um, what's her name from Get Out and her lesbian lover Rebecca Rittenhouse Beyond Skyline. Are good. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, they're definitely uh, the best, but they'll get there. I believe in this concept, and I believe in this franchise. So, uh, just more unfriended. Obviously, yeah, make the web yeah. darker. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very scared of the dark web. This really played into a lot of my fears. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, I yeah, I mean, it's it's a thing that has. Uh, I mean, obviously, has a lot of appeal forever in narrative of whatever like the underbelly of society but now in the internet age this is the underbelly of society and it's <laughs> it's terrifying because it's right there it's right underneath you just like you know blue velvet or yeah. all the noir movies or whatever sure. it's like that you can be operating within a world and there's like another world a whole other world just happening in the margins that you can't even see uh, that was the thing that I felt found very unnerving uh, a little bit 
in real life living in Las Vegas because I lived in a pretty poor uh, neighborhood and apartment complex where like stuff was happening all the time and I was like there's like all kinds of things going on in this complex and I don't know about any of them like I never saw anything that seemed especially shady it was just like a place where people live but you know then the cops would show up sometimes and be like okay well there's a lot more going on right around me than I'm at all aware of but just trying to live my life uh, still haven't got around to cover up my webcam. They can watch me do whatever they want, those weird dark hackers. It's true. <laughs> They're watching me right, right now. Mm. <laughs> mm. I don't think they would like to watch me. Like, <laughs> nope. eh, this is boring and unpleasant. Yeah. <laughs> Very mundane. This guy's just sitting there well, watching his GameCube play football well, game for him. Well, That's uh, interesting. Uh, <laughs> I think it's time to, to pull this into the station. So wrap it in. Talk bum, about bum, First bum. Reformed, the number two movie yeah. of the year. Um, you know, I, I love and cherish Paul Schrader, but he's got a spotty track record and kind of makes it all the more incredible that at this stage of his life and career, he, he pulled off something this, this like modern, so tapped into the current moment. Um, very powerful movie about, you know, radicalization and living in a world where you're aware that you know politicians are lying to you and you know, the world's dying slowly everything's horrible but like not really being able to affect any meaningful change not being able to get anyone to listen to you and then you know simultaneously still like yearning for life and uh, you know relationships and you know connections with other humans uh and how you can possibly reconcile those things, you know. Uh, and the, the, you know, we found out that we have like 13 more years to stop global warming, and that's probably already like generous. That was probably like a nice way of putting it. 13 more <laughs> um, years, we're only gonna lose a billion people instead of five. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Uh, so the world is uh, we're in an apocalyptic moment, um, and we all kind of know it, but can't exactly address it address it because the people who have power to do so will not uh and how do you continue living and living like a normal life when you're aware of all those things you guillotine uh, them well Give exactly them the old guillotine in theory that'd be <laughs> ideal then you got the the cedric entertainers of the world being like hey we gotta maintain order like <laughs> we gotta, gotta turn my chair around <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Gotta literally <laughs> walk away from the problem by spinning my chair around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I found no uh, no other movie besides maybe my my number one movie uh, to be as moving and powerful, like hit me as potently as this did. Um, this uh, did a number on me. What a what a movie! I also I wanted it to yeah. be lower. I wanted to like it less. Too many people like it, but that just shows how good it is that I couldn't take a contrarian <laughs> stance and lower it. It's at number two still. So maybe my contrarian yep. move was dropping it from number one, but <laughs> it's, it's as low yeah, as Patrick I could go. Patrick and I are the contrarians. Like, it's yeah. my six, and it's not even yeah. on Patrick's top ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have the real. Five. You have the real one. <laughs> the real contrarian oh, hour. Uh, and I'm not even like trying to be contrarian. I just don't. I don't, well, know. I, I don't know what happened. I, I feel bad. I actually feel bad about having it so low. After seeing how much everyone else liked it, I'm like, maybe I should be higher. Maybe you should this movie. Nope. wrap yourself maybe in barbed wire and penance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like I think I missed something. I, don't do it, Patrick. I, I'm not stupid, going to. So. But like, yeah, I think I. I don't know. 
I think I missed something in this one that everybody else got from it. Yeah, I know one yeah, other I person think that it does. It. Uh, sure. Uh, I think it does an interesting thing similar to what we talked about with Support the Girls, where it manages to feel a lot of things, but also, like, it doesn't present it great. Like, you know, Ethan Hawke's not a paragon or anything <laughs> like that. Like, his suffering is, like, not really romanticized at all. It's like, <laughs> like, and then there's, and, and, like, the weird mega church is, like, there's like jabs at it, but also like it's like well, I mean, Cedric's in a nice. way, it is kind of nice. Yeah, like it, yeah. like it's like all these people. They're like, they have a community and they care about each other. That and woman is like, so pathetic, and he's so mean yeah, to her. Yeah. He's so <laughs> he's mean. So cruel. Yeah. And, it's like I stopped calling so you because like, I don't like you. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, this kind of push and pull or whatever is going to, uh, I don't know. You know, like. Worse, uh, it, in a way, it makes the movie seem even more bleak and harrowing to me. This like we're trapped no matter what. It's like you could be a person who's kind of like nice and operating within the bounds of society and maybe enjoying a nice life as you like Im- hurdle towards like <laughs> a, an apocalypse that you're just ignoring is happening, or you could you know feel these feel, uh, feelings really deeply and try to embody them but then you're, you know I mean uh, sin comes up a lot in the movie and uh, to bring up Alan Watts again this is a point that Haley made but uh, where he talks about um, the four ways to the self and it's talking about like the path to enlightenment and that's like mm-hmm. repentance and uh, like retribution and all these like different things and that as soon as you follow the line as far as they go they all just lead back to you like like you you're a self-contained universe like you can never experience the world outside yourself uh and so as long as you keep trying to uh, do all these other things that are ostensibly on behalf of other people like you've got this this pride going and so uh ethan hawk is you know he he cares very deeply about all these things, but it's really like a, a kind of self-flagellation that he's already inflicting before he even adopts all these <laughs> other ways of looking at the world. He, yeah. he wants to plummet towards that uh, yeah. that void. He's had like he's a, a, a soft death drive the entire movie because he just keeps drinking the liquor and then he like ramps it up and he's like, now I have a real reason to die. I'm really going to die this time. Yeah. <laughs> Found the Ooh. righteous path finally. <laughs> <laughs> Got something to die I'll for. Die for a good reason. <laughs> finally. Yeah. Now, um, I was curious because uh, I brought this up on the mid-year uh, podcast, and uh, M- Mitchell, you said you had a theory about why there would n- be no fireworks, even if he had made the decision to uh, blow up the church in the end. Uh, what was that theory? Because I was curious. Oh, I think that might be a miswording. I think, like, he might have gone through with it, maybe. I mean, I guess you could also read it, too, that maybe he just wouldn't, because I do think, like, so much of it is performative. Um, All the acts he does, he does, like, literally inflict violence upon himself, but then, like, I don't know. It's, it's... uh, So, like, in a sense, yeah, you could... I guess you could guess that, but I I think I meant more that... uh, 
Paul Schrader never intended to have him go through with it. There's like no other version of this movie where he could or should. Uh, you know, I think at the end, so much of it is like him screaming out for like connection and help and someone to notice him. Um, and so, yeah, like maybe it would have happened if Amanda Seyfried never came through the door, but like that's really all he wanted at the end. It was very easy for him to throw away the whole plot as soon as she comes in. That's what he's really looking for. He just wants to make out with Amanda Seyfried. He wants a little kiss. <laughs> yeah. He wants a little kiss. <laughs> the theme yeah. of this year. Yeah, and so then it just cuts off from there. There's no more story from there. He's just like, it cuts to black, because like, what else is he going to do? He's probably just going to start and settle down with Amanda Seyfried and be like, oh, that was a crazy time in my life or something. And just like, oh, well, the world's going to have a new baby. Yeah, yeah. 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 Replace his son with this new baby. Yeah, that that makes sense. I was was thinking along the lines of like, oh, there's some reason that the vest wouldn't have worked or something like that. Oh, no, nothing that literal. No. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I think, I mean, because, yeah, I think part of why he doesn't do it is that it would be too cathartic. Like, it would make him into a real martyr, which kind of undermines what the character is, because he's not really, like, an environmental activist. He's not a real activist. He's not. He's a a really narcissistic man keeping a journal for himself and (laughs) feeling really sorry for himself. Yeah, Yeah, that was a part of rewatching the movie that I really liked, where, like, uh the beginning of the movie when I first watched it I was like ooh I don't know about this movie like I was taking it really at uh, face value this like narration with the journaling and I was like I don't know about this guy but watching it Mm -hmm. with the ending in hindsight I'm like never mind like this (laughs) Paul Schrader's already commenting on like how self-involved this weirdo is yeah I mean maybe that's one of the reasons I didn't like it is because I didn't really pick up on all of that, I guess. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it would be an annoying movie <laughs> if you didn't read it that way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he also kind of gets like hamstrung by his own conservatism too. He's a guy who was born to fail from the start. Just like him screaming at that woman, like his insistence that Amanda Seyfried was like, no, no, of course you don't get an abortion. What are you thinking? Like, she probably should have gotten. That'd be easier. Like, <laughs> I don't know, but uh, yeah. Okay, sorry, I was trying to get you to take your knee off the microphone. I keep forgetting. I got new headphones that have one of these built-in mics. It's really... Yeah, uh, they're the worst. Yeah. yeah, they're really stupid. It's not those helpful. Not good, it's helpful yeah. when I'm walking around on a commute and I can pause things without touching my phone. Right. Not helpful in a, a podcast scenario. But, uh, yeah, good way to end it out, you know. <laughs> We're all hurtling towards death, and we welcome yeah. it. <laughs> we wanted to do something about it, but you know, we don't have the individual power or individual willpower or sexual power to do anything yeah. about it. So we kind of try to carve out something and hope that someone who does have the power stops it. <laughs> they won't. Fingers though. crossed. <laughs> Fix it for us. Fix it. <laughs> do something about it. <laughs> cool it's a cool movie that was my notes on it it's like i like what mitchell has to say about it (laughs) thank you (laughs) yeah i'm trying to pull up your texts so i could just read what you thought as my thoughts oh yeah (laughs) those were good texts i was on one that day Uh, it introduces two potential readings one being that his fervor was essentially just horniness pent-up aggression from his self-imposed exile 
I don't know that that's how I take it, though I think people who dislike it do take it that way, and I get it. But I read it as covertly depressing that the reason we can't reverse impending apocalypse and all the ugly things in the world is because we're all inherently going to gravitate to a personal victory over a larger human one. Even even the savviest, most impassioned person can be quelled by the promise of contentment and stability. Wow. Look at me. (laughs) What a dark web we have. Those were good thoughts, Mitchell, of a few months ago. (laughs) (laughs) That's smart things to say. That's been a funny thing. Uh, Some people have recently been going back and commenting on very old reviews I wrote on Letterboxd to either disagree or agree with me. And I was like, I don't know what I said. Now I have to reread what I wrote. Who is this person? They existed more than 30 seconds ago. I have no relation to them. That a wrap? That's it. That's a, That's a wrap. Yeah, close the book. Oh. Yeah, tune in uh, for our final podcast of Loose Cannons of 2018, uh, where we do our awards. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be doing it in the standard format. So you got your acting, you got your technical achievement, you got a special award, and then best picture of the year. Uh, hmm. Two of which have been given away from tabling, and the other two I just know. (laughs) 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 I just know. Just I know things. Wow. No big surprises here. Yeah, no big surprises. I'm going to change it last minute. I have a new number one, actually. (laughs) Pretend that something else is my number one movie. Say Babe Pig in the City is my number one movie of the year. Space Jam. I'm going to say some. The other side of the wind is. <laughs> Beyonce's Coachella performance. Oh, actually. 17 hour Chinese movie that no one else oh, has yeah. heard of. I'm Wayne Bang. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> wow. I just bonked my face and it's Steven. Suck it, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> one of our rare <laughs> I'm joking. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I wish I had your patience. (laughs) I like you, Stephen. Okay. Uh, So thanks for listening. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast for the next week. And then the thing that we do next after that, which I'll be announcing at the beginning of that podcast. Yeah. I'm excited to find out. Thanks to everyone who submitted lists, too. Patreon. Give us the money. Especially (laughs) Stephen. And this is the, the uh, final Loose Cannons podcast next week, right? Yeah. The final Loose week. Cannons wow. podcast. <laughs> End of an era. Of, of it really all, is. Uh, <laughs> my number one <laughs> pick is uh, fitting. <laughs> About ends. <laughs> <laughs> End uh, of nice. things. Excited to have this discussion. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, Can't wait. Bye, bye, bye. All right, bye, bye, bye. bye. bye.